is a production of Dirty Mo Media. The Dale Jr. Download. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. On this episode, we have Corey and Randy LaJoy. Mm. Corey's dad's going to come in here and keep things honest <laughs> and tell the truth. I'm looking forward to it, man. couple pretty colorful guys with a lot of great racing history and uh, should, ha- should have some great stories. Mike Davis, my co-host, is here. What's up, man? Yeah, good to see you, Mike. Good to see you, too. I'm looking forward to this. I don't know Randy LaJoy. I only heard about him through stories that you guys have Call told us, so I- I'm looking forward to this. Yep. All right. Schultz and Leah, they're in the house. Should be a great show. Let's get going. Before we get Corey and Randy in here, let's talk a little bit about uh, Daytona 500. We had Xfinity race this weekend. Obviously, a big crash on big crash, fiery. Uh, yeah. Keselowski's car into the into the posts and ripping the back off of it. All that wildness. Uh, Michael McDowell wins the race. I was a little I was a little surprised that it ended up that way. I didn't think that Brad and Joey were going to produce this insane crash right i thought i know joey's i should have i guess i guess i should have known better joey is a very aggressive blocker yep and brad was in brad was flying mm-hmm. up, you know had a big run and nothing and brad's getting pushed by mcdowell right and so brad has to go one way or the other mm-hmm. around this car in front of him he cannot just stop or he's going to get turned around and wrecked. He's been been in that position before. Um, and when you know when you turn the wheels pretty aggressively, and a car's pushing you, we've seen what's happened. But anyhow, they they came together. They hit. They spun. They hit fire. Cars slamming, smashing into the whole pile up. Uh, just wild looking, kind of scary. And then uh, McDowell coming off turn four. I guess the caution comes out. Before they crossed the finish line, right? Yeah, I didn't it know came that. Out. It came out, but we didn't know when. I'm when sitting. Exactly. I know. I'm sitting there watching. Sorry to interrupt you, Mike. No, no. But I'm right. sitting there watching, and Chase lifts, and he's not side drafting McDowell or anything. And I'm like, what? Oh man, you know Chase. You know we. I don't. They're not saying you know the caution's out, the fields are froze or anything like that. I'm just like, damn, Chase lifted. He didn't aggressively side draft McDowell and try to slow him down or all the things, right? All the things you could, you think you'd try to do. Uh, coming to the checkered. But I guess the caution was out, and the yeah. race was over. Yeah. Well, you, that's right, because McDowell did get passed by Chase, but it was under caution. <clears throat> so are you saying that you didn't – like, you expected a wreck probably on the last lap, didn't you? I mean, like, no. you didn't. Well, I mean, I knew that some guys were going to get turned around somebody, but I didn't think it would be the front of the, the pack. The, the first two guys. Yeah. Right. I, I just had that feeling that there was going to be a crash – and I did not think that both Penske cars were yeah. going to make it back. I I figured Logano was going to block, and it was going to end up in uh, you know a, a catastrophe yep. for somebody. Maybe not him, but uh, I didn't see that coming. So like I thought Austin Dillon was like I was like Dillon's going to win this race. I I just feel like they're going to yep. even if they don't wreck. They're going to block enough and get each other out of shape enough to where Dillon's going to go by him. I thought that's what would happen. I was wrong. Well. McDowell uh, pulls off a an underdog. Oh yeah, uh, victory. We'd seen that before, and that's that's not uncommon at uh, Daytona or Talladega. Um, but 
he has been competitive at these races. It wasn't a fluke. It was just it still is an underdog team uh, winning the big one. We had a big rain delay. We talk about that later in the show during our S Junior. Uh, we'll discuss start times a little bit. Uh, Bubba Wallace and the uh, debut of twenty three eleven. That team did pretty good. Bubba was pretty aggressive. I found myself pulling for him, and it wasn't because of Bubba. It was because after I watched the pre-race feature on Fox with Michael Jordan in it, I was like, man, I want this for the sport. I wanted a nice, sunny day and Michael Jordan victory lane because it would hijack the whole psyche of America. You know, like there's like the 79 Daytona 500 yeah. or, or like when you won – Daytona in 2001. I mean, like, they, everybody had to stop what they're doing and just pay attention. And I thought, well, what would happen? I want our sport to have a moment. It needs a moment. And I thought, man, I really wanted – and they were fast. They were fast. I just couldn't believe that the Toyotas were so disjointed on that last green flag pit stop where, you know, Fords came well, in. Well, they came down pit road together. They just had they just left. different pit stops. Yeah, I, well, the, and that effectively lost them the race, don't you think? I think they – in now, hind- I know Bubba had his own problem on his feet. He had well, to come back in. I think but- in hindsight, they might have thought maybe we should have gotten together. When we came off pit road separated, maybe we should have found each other within, you know, with, and gotten be Because by the time the pack would have caught them as a, th- as a trio, maybe they would have produced more speed. Oh, yeah. they were, yeah, they were. Denny was like a half a straightaway out in front right. of everybody. But so. it's hindsight. It's all, I mean, you can't never tell what would have happened. They probably still would have got passed. But um, Clip Boyer in the booth. Oh, I man. thought, you know, I thought he's he's got a lot of great energy, uh, very funny, fresh out of the car, understands exactly what the drivers are dealing with. Just a uh, a great addition, in my opinion, to oh, the Fox booth. Made that so much more watchable. I got to be honest. And if it was anybody else, I'd worry that they're not going to be able to keep this, you know, energy up throughout <laughs> yeah, the season. But we know yeah. that is Clint. And you don't worry about that. I love the fact that he got to experience his first rain delay in his first broadcast <laughs> of the year. Because I know he's broadcast speak, before, but speak to how difficult that is. Uh, maybe he's dealt with some rain delays before. I don't even know, but um, it, it's they call it rain feel. Basically, when you know you you just gotta they just you don't know where the show's gonna go. Are they gonna send us to uh, you know a Dale Jr. download or? Um, they gonna put up some um, some other you know they I think they ran the day, Days of Thunder piece at yeah. some point maybe an older race at some point uh but then they you got to sit in that booth and they're because they're going to come back and they're going to say hey give us an update all right we're gonna put you on camera tell us what's happening um <laughs> you know they fired up the, the dryers or whatever right yeah and uh so you're kind of hanging around you know and and uh not the most glorious uh part of the job uh but it is part of it i, I don't mind the rain delays too much except for like when they're days when the delay is like multiple days long, oh, <laughs> a yeah. couple hour rain delays, no right. big deal. As long as we're getting the race in. Uh, at the Xfinity race, Junior Motorsports guys, we crashed four cars. Not the first time we've wrecked all four cars. We've been down there before and, and crashed them all. Um, Were you proud of Josh Berry, though? You know, he's doing a good job. You know, he was doing a good job. I told him to be real conservative until the end. That's what he was doing. He was staying in the fight. Uh, staying in position, you know, for whatever would develop. And, uh, you know, a couple guys just didn't – a couple guys just ran into each other, right? Yeah, it So, yeah, that part was frustrating. But those crashes I've, – I've, I've started some wrecks at those races, so I'm not going to – <laughs> I'm not going to, uh, you know, act like I'm, I'm better than that. But uh, 
I was just uh, disappointed because I wanted to see what Josh would do when given the this you know when it was time for him to start making moves or start trying to create something for himself. We hadn't seen that yet. I want mm. I'm trying to see whether he's got it right. And so I think that uh, I would have liked to have seen what he would have had, what he would have done with himself and his his opportunities late in the race, and we just didn't ever get the chance. But anyhow, he's got a few more races uh, this year, so it should be fun. Miguel Pluto is going to drive the eight car at uh, the road course this weekend, and uh, hopefully he's very fast. I'm sure he will be. Kyle Busch, did you see his tweet? Uh, which one? Uh, yeah. So after we crashed all our cars, Kyle Busch tweeted a gif of us burning. And basically, it was like a, a reference to Junior Motorsports crashing all their cars and we're burning money. Not reference, and he calls out Junior Motorsports at Junior Motorsports at Dale Junior at Earnhardt. I Kelly. mean, he's referencing. Yeah, he, yeah he's totally burning money. So I'm trying to I'm trying to interpret what is what, what's his point. What is I his mean, point? like I like he's an owner. Like is is he trying to be funny? Is he trying to be like sympathetic? Maybe that is it. Is it that he's like, man, I know the feeling, man, burning money. Or why was the time? Did he do this right after the race? Right when it happened. Yeah. Right when it happened. Before well, the race was over. You know, yeah. maybe may, maybe not the time to, <laughs> to soon, do that. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Yep. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's yeah. interesting. I know. Well, he'll have his, we'll be able to return a gift his way. He'll have a moment. Yeah. We'll have one ready. Gift ready warfare. Yeah. We'll go to gift war with him. We'll remember that. I, hey, let me ask you a quick question. I don't remember you being a big blocker. Like, I don't remember you swerving like stuff. What is your opinion about people that are blocking in, this, in these races? It's not about, uh, I don't know, I don't look at the person and go, this guy every single time is a bad blocker. Okay. Right? Because that's not true. Um, there's people that have thrown awful blocks, uh, but they don't, every, every block they throw is not a bad one. Um, so it ain't really about the drivers as much as what is a bad block, right? Um, is What blocking is acceptable and what blocking is not acceptable? That's really what the question should be. Uh, or what is the success rate of blocking at a restricted plate? Well, it depends on the block. It all comes it? down to what type of block it is. Every block ain't the same block. Really? No. They all, all right. seem to end up in a wreck to me. Certain ones do. Yeah. Because there's a lot of blocks that don't cause wrecks and you don't – you just I don't guess know you it. You don't know they well, were blocks if they didn't cause wrecks. Yeah, I hear you. I hear so, you. typically, um, if you were if you're pretty smart about plate racing and you understand when you're looking in the mirror and watching cars race, you can see the line that's forming the create energy and the you know if, if you got to see this stuff happening before it happens, right? And if you got a great spotter kind of helping you understand, okay, the outside line's really forming together. And that should ring a bell in your head that goes, okay, then that line's going to have a run. So I'm going to move up there now. I'm going to move up there before it's too late. Mm. I'm going to, like, you, it's not a block at that point. You just change lines and, pe- and, and then the run comes. Like Trevor Bain when he won the Daytona 500, how he moved in front of Carl Edwards. That, we, we never really look at it as a block. He just got on, on the track that was the, where the train was coming. I suppose. Um, no. Well, I would just say that, you know, if you're looking in the mirror and that car's 10, 15 mile an hour faster than you, if it's a lot, just let it happen. They've got it. They've got you. You're toast. Mm. Now, if you're five car lengths, three car lengths in front of that car that's got that momentum and you're like, you know what? He's going to pass me, but I would prefer he pass me low and I want the top. 
then you can move up there, right? But they got you. You're done. Like, okay, good example. Back straight away, Talladega, I'm leading the race. Jimmy Johnson, Brian Vickers. Oh, yeah. They had me. Oh, man. I made one move to the middle of the track. Otherwise, I was letting them go. I was letting them have the inside line without any me impeding them or making that difficult whatsoever. Now, Brian Vickers lost all control of himself. <laughs> but, you know, you just you just got to know, like, ah, that's a big run. I'm not going to be able to stop it. If I try, it's, we're going to get all wrecked here. And go to the part of the track that you want to be on while they're passing you. All right? So... If the top has been working all night at Daytona for the 500 and you know you're going to lose some positions but you don't want to go to the very end, go to the top of the racetrack mm. and, and maybe you're going to lose four or five spots and get back in line. So the bad blocks, Mike, are the ones where a guy's pulling down in front of somebody who's 10 mile an hour faster at the last minute. Or, yeah, or too late. So wasn't Joey sort of late? I, I need to see Ariel. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. But Joey's aggressive. He's an aggressive blocker. He is. I imagine that TJ was probably giving him plenty of information. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I don't know that his block was too late, but I don't, I'd don't. i have to look at it aerial-wise to see, really, did he come from the top all the way down across the track and was just like, look, I'm going wherever Brad's going and giving Brad no choice but to hit me in the back. That's absolutely going to cause a crash because Brad's getting pushed and they're going five, ten mile an hour faster than Joey. Yeah, um, I didn't. I don't ask that because I think Joey did anything wrong. I thought I just thought Joey was sort of out to lunch, kind of like when you're like I. Th I didn't think he was in a good position either no. way. Joey was going to get past. Yeah, you know, and anything it, anything that he does to try to stop that from happening is going to be a crash, no question. Yeah, and so. No, I'm not saying I don't. I'd have to look at it. I have to look at it a little bit more. But in those moments, you know, if you pull down, if you're, if you pull down at the very last minute, that's a bad block. You don't give anybody around you or coming with that head of steam any chance. Uh, but to run mm -hmm. in the back of you or have to have to aggressively turn the steering wheel and get themselves spun out, right? So, because uh, if Brad has to turn the wheel too crazy. Uh, he's getting pushed. He's going to get spun right around, just like you know we've seen that before. Uh, well, the twenty car spun the ten to the right into the fence, right, just by bumping him a little right. bit wrong. Uh, so you you don't have a lot of leeway to be moving the car around while being pushed, but before you get spun out. So that guy's uh, Brad's just hanging on. He's being shoved, and he's he's like driving a forklift. And then the guy in front of him is moving around all over the racetrack trying to block that run, and Brad's driving a forklift at 180 to 90 mile an hour. I mean, you... Hence why I thought that they were not going to make it back. By the way, everybody, I don't... I purposely... I have these questions when I'm watching the race, and I know I can text Dale Jr. and ask him, but I just... Oh, he's... I choose to wait. So, and thank, so make... I'm just, send in your thank you letters. No, 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 it's not that. It's just I don't want anybody to think I'm sitting here Could trying to... Could you address them directly hijack. to him so that make sure they get to him? Well, if you're going to send a thank you letter, send money. Yeah, <laughs> money. Don't don't send a card. Man, beer <laughs> or something. It's like the, that aunt that always sends you a card, but nothing. No Not money for aunt. Christmas. All right, well, let's get to our guests. We got a lot to talk about. Those guys. Let's bring them on in here. Yeah, that's right. Norwalk, Connecticut's Randy LaJoy. Here comes Randy LaJoy. Randy LaJoy, two-time series champion. Randy LaJoy slips 
sliding to the wind. Randy LaJoy comes across. He will be the Grand National Champion. The inside is open for LaJoy. Randy LaJoy has won. To the flag, Randy LaJoy. Corey LaJoy, third generation racer from Concord, North Carolina. Here comes Corey LaJoy. Corey LaJoy is going to see the checkered flag. He gets his first win in the Arca Racing Series. Making his way through the final turn, Corey LaJoy. And has really developed well as a driver. LaJoy wins in Pocono. <laughs> Look at these guys. Oh, my God. What's hey, up? Jimmy. Thank you, Mike. How's it going? Beautiful. Yeah. I brought a picture. Oh, did you? That, uh... I had your dad sign. Let's see oh, this. That, that's that's uh, it was cool, cool little story. We uh, right before the Daytona race. Oh yeah. Standing on pit road, your dad says, "Randy, come here." So he grab first him. he grabbed my ear and pulled my ear a little bit. That's why my earlobes are so darn big. Uh, <laughs> he's like, "Hey, look at that plane up there. The plane was carrying a banner." Yep. He goes, "It's not moving." I say, "Damn, has to be." He says, "Hope it don't run out of gas." I said, yeah, this is true, because it was had such a headwind, that thing was just, and it wasn't going nowhere. And it was sitting above the grandstand. And uh, he, he says, uh, I don't know. He goes, it looks like it's going to fall. I said, it looks like we're going to have a heck of a tailwind going into three. He says, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> but now, I would look at this picture and think, man, they're really just zoned in on qualifying. They're, they're thinking about their, their you know, where the apex is, where they're, how they're going to arc it in. No, this is about an airplane and a sign and whether it's moving or not. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the intelligence that's being spewed right here in this picture. <laughs> so uh, we happened to get that, and uh, I had a fan club. I think I had 200 people. Mm -hmm. So uh, I said, I'll ask him. So I call him. He goes, yeah, come up. Bring a 12-pack. I said, hey, you got a beer sponsor. What the heck I got to bring beer for? <laughs> so yeah. I, I bring a 12-pack up there. We take a ride on the farm. And the first time, I mean, that was like 94. And this is before I did any. I won a Bush championship up north, but nothing down here. And uh, so I was just in awe driving around with your dad in his truck and around the farm and the old barn he had full of cars. I said, wow, this is cool. So that was – you were driving Moroso's Yes, that car. was Moroso's car. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll get into that, but it's great to have both you guys at the table. Yeah. Come off Good a to great, be here. Yeah, come yeah, off a good. great run at Daytona. Yeah. Top 10, I'll take it. Yeah. Stabbing how was penny. How was your race? On uh, not I mean somewhat uneventful. We got a little we got a little dust up there when the twenty cut a right rear. McMurray and I spun yes. out. Luckily to hit the inside fence. That's usually what happens. You waylay that thing and your day's over. But it was kind of weird how the end of that race played out there with that green flag stop going into that single file racing, and it didn't get that too wide where you can start playing some lanes at the end that guys knew they wanted to get to one to go before they made that move, and we just didn't get time to uh, to get up there and make anything happen. But for Spire Motorsports to have two cars in the top ten, it was a good day. They did. This is your new team. You change When you change rides, anytime you change rides, you – You're a little skeptical. Skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just don't know how the front's going to – you know, everything feels different. Yeah. I always was most concerned probably with geo, comfort, steering box, turn-in, all those things. But, you know, at Daytona, you don't really worry about that kind of stuff. But So your first real opportunity to see this new team and this new sort of package for you in competition – How's that? Yeah, so uh, Spire Motorsports has a, a, a alliance with Ganassi. So that was really and truly the first race car I've ever driven in the Cup Series to date. So I was over at Ganassi 
putting my seat in and getting the pedals set. And I was like, can we put some dents in this thing and scrape the paint up a little bit so I feel a little more at home? Because <laughs> this thing's way too nice. So uh, It wasn't a used piece. <laughs> it, was, it, it was. I mean, it was nice, man. And, and the speed showed. You know, we didn't have great single car speed, but Jamie and I had the two fastest laps of the race when we got a big suck trying to catch the that lead draft there at the end. And we were conservative, right? So you have to be somewhat aggressive. Like, obviously, we saw Michael McDowell be in the position. That wasn't quite our strategy. We wanted to be a little more conservative and, and miss the wrecks. We wanted to be there at the end and and cash the check when the pay wouldn't open. But Which it's just a different. Handful. It missed, missed a handful. Missed yeah. a couple in the duels. Um, that's what you got to do. You got to be there at the last lap. You know, everybody over there is working hard. The cars are super nice. So I'm excited to get to, like, Homestead and, and get a couple races and see where we stack up. What kind of relationship do you all have? Well, it's good. I mean – it's different. It's changed. What do you since mean? It, wow. it's, what do you it's mean? Cha- it's, it's changed since he's a grandpa. Oh, yes. Yeah, that'll do. Well, it. That's only been a, what? Yeah, eleven, 11, mo- 11 yeah. months ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how's this new life of yours in? I guess. Like, yeah. how's, how's, how's he changed? I used to be a hard ass. Used to be. <laughs> I still get text messages. See, this I messed up when I set them up. I got them like Bluetooth speakers because they'll sit there with the NASCAR app and listen to the radio, and I'll know if I had a good race or not because I won't get any text messages. He texts like a like if I if you gave Ali your phone to text your wife, like that's how he texts with some. You know, you get the hyphens and you get like the emoji like this or thumbs up, or thumbs oh, down. He's, he's a big emoji user. Big emoji oh, guy. He doesn't I know. Guess wrong. On doesn't that. know the context of how to use emojis, but he uses <laughs> yeah. them. Uh, so I usually get a text message. After the race to let me know what I did wrong a lot of the times but on the flip side of that and we could talk about it here during the show it's like he is a hard ass on me and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing today if he wasn't a hard ass on me and I'm, I'm probably taking a little easy on him because there were some times that mom locked him out of the house for being a little bit too much of a, a hard ass on me as a little kid but all of that put together you know, allows me to, to keep pushing myself to be a professional driver. Locked out of the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bando racing. Oh, yeah. No, he let's was, talk about it. What well, happened? Uh, what happened? Uh, he, he run over a guy going into one. <laughs> I was there. I had the right front in the hole for the lead. No, he wasn't. I was, <laughs> first obviously, if I spun the guy out, I was in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wrecked the guy. Jordan Penninger. Yeah, which ended the guy ended up setting his car up because Jordan was a champion. He like that kid was fast. I, said, I tried everything. I mean, Larry Mack and me, I mean, Larry Mack, Joe Crewchief, he's got Brandon's car. I mean, he's got tape measure. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, I'm just ready. Put air in the tires. Go ahead, kid. Have fun. Well, I, we were at Concord one day, and this kid is fast. So, okay. So, I'm watching. I'm listening to Corey. So, I call him up after he gets out. I said, come here. Watch this kid. I said, what's he doing that you're not doing? He's holding it wide open. He's flooring it. I said, how are you going to beat him? And he ran to the car. He ain't lifted yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, once he figured it out, you know, it's no different. I went to Dover one No, year. no, no, no. Don't skip oh, the yeah, story. So, so, so that, well, okay. So we're at yeah, the you stand- haven't been locked out of the okay. house yet. No. Okay. So we're, we're in the infield and he wrecks Jordan on a heat race first lap. And I'm mad. I, what the No, heck? this was the feature. Was it? Okay. Mm. Well, I pulled him out of the car by his helmet. I helped him. He was trying to stop. And he was like, you go down there and apologize. I was probably 12. This is I ain't apologizing. I ain't apologizing. Uh, and he grabbed me like, like the lapels because <laughs> I didn't know what the fire suit had little hooks in for. I knew after that day what they were for <laughs> for uh, dads and he like <laughs> kind of like gave me my feet were off the ground and he's like you go apologize and I think my mom was probably 20 feet away and she like caught me in the midair like we're out of here and we drove back to the house I still was in my fire suit I like and mom was fire mad at who at him for what for just roughing a 12 year old up right for you know, in, whatever in for, front of everybody for me. <laughs> it's one thing doing it at the shop right if you do something dumb another thing doing it in the whole pit area <laughs> I don't know how she changed the lock so quick or what, but maybe you forgot your key and you called her. And the moral of the story was you stayed at the shop that night. 
She Dang. really, she really changed the lot. I don't know if she oh, did. Yeah, I didn't oh, know. you just he, forgot. He did not stay at the he house. He just didn't stay at the house. No. He, well, he knew better. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, it was quiet. Yeah, that's right. Quiet time. Sometimes you got to go in the penalty box. Yeah, and yeah. and some and and I don't. I can't look back on that story and be like, oh yeah, I learned a lesson from that one. But there's been plenty of other ones along the way. I can like look back in the time and like. I know what you were trying to like get me to understand, but your delivery still oh, my, uh, is not very good. Yeah, my my yeah. The wife says your presentation's terrible. Yeah, and yeah. which I, I've gotten better because you know when you try to get customers, you know, with the seat company, I would go and look at somebody's car, and if it's junk, I say, "Man, what are you dumb?" I mean, come on, this is stupid. What you got? What you're climbing into? And I would probably call them a name, and but then they wouldn't buy a seat. <laughs> that's, <laughs> how, that's how that works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah. if I change my Imagine presentation. That. Now I, I what I do is I give them a card, and I say, you could be safer. That's it. Let <laughs> them take it from there. That works. <laughs> Dale, you asked, like, how, are, how is him and I's relationship? And I'm not sure how you and your old man were, but the older I get, the more I appreciate just the lessons learned, right? Yeah. Like, when you're growing up and you're like, man, why is my dad such a hard ass on me? And then you get to be like, oh, yeah, like, you can remember these things along the way. Like, oh, now I don't do that because he chewed my ass for that. And then, you know, when you have your own kid, it's like, oh, now I see like the angle of which he was trying to to go about it. So the older I get, the more I'm helping out the seats and just, you know, we, we still don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but we, we know how to work through it and talk through it. So you're still selling seats. Trying. Right. Yep. How involved were you in the seat business? It's, it's when more, did you start? Well, as soon as when I, he needed one. No, 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 no. Nope. When I was probably about 12, he's oh, like, yeah, hey, go, go, go learn how to weld. And then I ended up being a pretty good water with 12, 13. And then he'd realized that I can do it better than the guy he was paying. So I just did it for free for like <laughs> the next six years through high school. And I was working after high school, I'd be welding seats or whatever. So I was cheap labor for a little while welding seats. But now I go in there probably four days a week. I've morphed into special projects slash quality control a little bit but you're and still there still there I, i'm working on a 1970 barracuda so that's there put, putting a hellcat motor in that and having some fun you, when you say welding you're talking about welding aluminum yeah tig welding Anything. it's like Which 10 I mean, times yeah. harder than welding steel yeah well it's relative it's hard to make yeah. steel look good welding but i think we could probably say now we're doing the, our latest pr special project is we're building all the seats for ray everham's and smokes srx uh series are so Ooh, all of them, nice. everybody's going to be sitting in our, we got a couple different size seats, but we did some different things that's going to make the seat look a little cooler and all the belts are attached to it, kind of like a cup seat. So that's that's a pretty cool project for us. Very yeah. cool. Speaking Actually, of special project, did he do one seat, for you? Yeah, he built a seat for this Nova. Yeah, yeah. Right, in that, right in that thing. That thing turned out mint too, dude. It's I, cool, I, huh? I, I, Every time I come here, I just got to go ahead and, and just gawk <laughs> at it because it is unbelievable. I got a picture of that, me racing that car at Darlington. Let's be honest. Yeah. You weren't racing No, no, he thing. was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> he was laughing. Yeah. But I, I think I run 10th. Yeah. You know, and that was six laps down from that hot rod <laughs> right there. I, he brought the number 15. One of the first times I met your dad was Cayuga, Cayuga, Canada, up there in Toronto. He had a NASCAR North race. Yep. And he came up with his Wrangler car. And I think Bobby Allison, a couple other guys all come up to run against the NASCAR North guy. Cayuga's a beautiful racetrack. Yep. <laughs> he come up there and he lapped the field. I run second. Now, tell me this, <clears throat> and you probably know too. When when those guys, like when Tip Richmond would go, when your old man would go to like these one-off Bush North races, there was a different Goodyear tire truck for those guys. Yeah, we had McClure's, oh, really? and they had Goodyear. Yeah. They, they, they bring their own. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we, they had had, American, we had McClure tires, yeah. and they had Goodyear's. I was like, well, can we have his tires? Can't have, have enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's interesting. Amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, yeah. It yeah. might be – It might be. I thought it might have been a folk tale, but I, I think no, there's probably true. some truth to that. Oh, yeah. 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 That's pretty – I got a lot of pictures of that car. He was Ed Whitaker's car. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It was fast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I run second, and, and I think 
he lapped up to fourth, and I lapped up to tenth. And my tongue was hanging out, and he gets out. What's going on? <laughs> you know? It's like, wow. I wonder how, how into his career were you as a kid? Like, uh, you know, we hear Dale Jr. talk about, you know, his dad was, you know, he just wanted to be like his dad, and he really became a fan of his dad. And when people wrecked him or, or whatever, whatever was preventing him from being successful, then Dale Jr. took it personal. Were you the same way with your So dad? I was a little bit younger, right, in kind of dad's peak, you know, mid-90s, late, late 90s. So I was – eight, nine, 10. So you don't really appreciate or even realize how big of a deal racing is to a lot of people when you're that young. And, and I'm into it more now just because I appreciate all aspects of racing more. Yeah. So for Dale to be able to race against his dad is, is a different story. I never got that opportunity, you know, but when you go to, to the seat shop and you see all those trophies and you see all my grandpa's trophies, it's like, yeah, these guys, were, you know, weren't slouches. And it, and it means a lot for me to continue to fly the LaJoy flag, if you will, on Sundays, because there were some opportunities I texted you. I wanted to bring it up on things that he passed up on Sunday afternoon so he could spend time with me and my brother on Sundays mm. and ultimately just spend time with us. Because being a cup driver, as you know, is a hell of a lot of time spent away from the family. What are some of those opportunities? Well, Jim Smith. Michael was getting out to come one of your dads. He, he said, hey, I'll, I'll give you two million bucks. Come drive for me. The seven car. And I was like, two million bucks? That's 20 times what I'm making. I was like, wow. So we're sitting there watching a race on a, on a Sunday, and we already did go-karts. We went to church, come back, did go-karts. Yeah, Sundays was our, our go-kart field filler fairgrounds days. We'd around on, on four-wheelers and go-karts and like Hornaday would come over and like we would have just Sunday afternoon our day. Yeah. Onion, yeah just come a lot of hangouts feed away yeah Sunday was the day so we're watching a race and uh Michael's on pit road and I said hey guys I was like uh, I could drive that car next year and Corey's like really he goes well I know Bobby and I know Suter and I know this guy and I know the team you know those are good guys oh that'd be okay he said well we'll be able to do our motorhome trip a year nah probably not we had to race go-karts on Sunday no that's out <laughs> I'll think about it Okay. So the youngest one, Casey was probably three years younger than him, six maybe. And why do you want to do it? I said, man, I can make a lot of money. He says, don't you need make a lot of money now? Yeah. Why do you need more? And I looked at my wife. I was like, okay, I'll call him and tell him I'm not going to do it. Why'd you let a six-year-old talk you out of making a couple million bucks? <laughs> and I wonder why now I, I beat my head against why I hit my head too many damn times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, those kids, those six-year-olds have a lot of influence. You, I, I know that now. Uh, th those kids, they, all they got to do is look at you that certain way, man, yeah. and it's like, all right. I can and, tell and it. I, I'm not going to be able to get past this one. And I, and I give you crap for not taking it, but that's why I appreciate racing on Sundays even more so because the sacrifices he made allowed me to do that. You know, it still does. So you give him a percentage of the purse, right? I mean, no. Like you give, oh, no. That, that, I give him a lot of yet. percentage yeah. of my time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Time on, uh, you know, make it, Special make it projects. Time. Yeah. That's his special it. project. Yeah. The Budweiser car, I, I had a great shop when Craven got hurt. Yep. I jumped in that thing. It was cool. Being a champion and then all of a sudden – Running that car nine races. That's all. I run the thing nine times. And it was great. One I mean, of those, you, you wrecked his old man at yeah, Charlotte. Did. Yes, he did. Yeah, so, yeah, so did. What year was this? Is, is this when Craven got 99 got hurt? At Talladega? Yeah, was that well, that crash or, or not? A Texas, crash? maybe. Texas? Yeah, I think okay. he had a couple of them right away. And he said, okay, my head's not right. I'm out. Gotcha. So I had a great relationship with Anheuser-Busch. I think I was the first guy ever to get a personal service contract from him. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So I had a great relationship to, hey, put LaJoy in the car. So, okay. And, and it was a great time. I got more recognized. I mean, we go to dinner and me and my wife couldn't go to dinner without being bothered. I mean, it never happened last week, you know, before the, I was the <clears throat> Sunday guy. And, and I just couldn't believe the difference. I'm not sure I wanted to be that upfront. I mean, I want to do well in today's social media world.
Yeah. You know, they tell me I'll go to social media jail, just stay off. And no. I would. I, I'm, I'm staying off. I don't care about it. I don't, I don't like it. But they have to do it. You know, this generation has to do that. You know, there were certain things I was good at and certain things I'm not. And I'm sure I wouldn't have been good at some, social media. Something something I found funny, he was talking about. So he, he won 96 and 7 championships back-to-back. You won 98-99, right? Back-to-back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember the car that Chevy let us use was a maroon Lumina. They I remember riding. They gave the champion it was a like, car. It was like corduroy interior. <laughs> you, you can imagine how sweet this piece was. And then at, at the end of 98 or 97, we had to give it back. And Junior ends up getting two Corvettes and gets to keep them or whatever. Yeah. One Corvette. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Funny, well, I ended up other. calling John Middlebrook because John Middlebrook was, the when I met him, it was Pontiac. He was Pontiac guy. And then he turned into the Chevrolet guy. Well, okay, so now the kids are older. I needed a new car. I said, well, let me call up. So I called John Middlebrook. I talked to Delana Harvick, get his number. D was my uh, PR girl for a couple, three years. That's right. Call her up. Get the, John Middlebrook, Randy. Hey, Randy, how you doing? Good. I said, hey. I said, I need to get... I would like to get my wife a new Cadillac, an Escalade. The kids are bigger. We need a bigger vehicle. He says, well, I said, here. I said, this is why I'm calling you. I was like, explain something to him. He goes, okay. I said, I won two championships, and y'all were nice enough to let me use a car or let my wife use a car for the year. I was like, now, what did Dale Jr. do different than I did? Because you all gave him a Corvette. <laughs> he goes, I wonder that myself. He says, what are you looking for? I said, so I told him. And he found me a hell of a deal on Escalade. So that was good. <laughs> I still have that car. You do? Yeah. yeah. That's that red car Mama drove forever. Oh, wow. Yeah. I got you. Wow. That's. Uh... Hey, your, your grandma, right? You're talking about? Uh-huh. She saved us a lot of money on a car we built with him. Your Uncle Randy was in charge of the used parts. So we're building him a new car. Which one? New talk- used. Which one are you talking about? Catfish. Oh, okay. So we're, I, I tell, I'm going to go to DEI and, and see Randy and get all my parts. I had my parts list. And I. Had a budget. Okay, I, I just all the money I got. Of, okay, of nothing, like t- yeah. twelve bucks. <laughs> but, yeah. So it was like it's a budget. Twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff I needed. So okay, I go up and see Uncle Randy, and we're going through the shop, and I got carts, and I'm freaking loading up. What well, was your? It was your grandma's birthday, and she was there with Kelly. I said, Hey, let's go upstairs, and because I, I knew her when he was ninety four, ninety five. Me, your dad, my wife, Corey Taylor. Taylor, we're a wine train, and. and Sonoma, and just had a wonderful time. Your, your aunt was there, your grandma was there, and it, it was just the two of us. It was supposed to be five guys on the train. It was just me and your dad, and we talked about how they used to go from Metro Liner to Myrtle Beach, and I mean, it was just a fabulous dinner. Your grandma recognized me, so we go up, we had lunch with her, it was her birthday, and she got up, and we were leaving, and she told Randy, whatever the, his price is, cut her in half. <laughs> so we go downstairs, and go, okay, mama told me to cut her in half, and what half was, was exactly what I thought was budget, yeah. uh, what I had. And I was like, wow, that worked out pretty good. And then, <laughs> and then that car, Catfish, was the one we went all the way down to the wire to Rockingham with Larson. Larson ended up another sort they of They gave him day. the championship. Yeah, they, they gifted him one, but yeah. we, that was when we run second in the K&ND, <laughs> we won five races, and that was yeah. kind of the jump start when stuff really got rolling for me. Yeah. That's the first time I ever heard Sawyer driving. Skills. Yeah, so it wasn't long before that uh, and I texted you this morning. I wanted to bring this story up. It was another story of Rockingham, and I wanted like I've, I've told this story a lot because one of the questions you get a lot is like, "What was that one watershed moment of your career? Like it could have went one way or the other." And it was we built a late model. Stevie Levitt built it. My buddy Steve O and I spent all winter long building this thing. Drilled the bolt. Beautiful right, car. Spent oh. you know spent three and a half months building this thing. Took it to Rockingham. Open test. Open tests, we're there. Our zip- cars are there. Zipping around, and second run out there, it's like, all right, let me pull them tight here and let's see what this baby's got, right? No leaks, no hitting. Whistle that thing in a one, and you're wide open and a late model are, are damn close. And you, that thing compressed into turn one, and the left rear hub is a wide five. All the, all the ears broke right off the hub. Driver's side, 
schmelated. We had to borrow the wrecker from the racetrack to get the to get the car home. And that was like, all right, I guess my driving career is over. Let me try to figure out how to play baseball again because that was all the chips pushed on the table at that point in time. Mm -hmm. All his chips, essentially. Right, Eddie Sharp. Here, you you can tell the rest. Of the story. So, so Eddie was there running Arca cars, and he's like, "Man, that car was fast. There's not no more." And I was just glad he was okay. I mean, luckily we had the energy exact foam on the left side door. If it wasn't for that, he probably would have got hurt. It'd be right. You know, I mean, it, it bent the car in half. It so, was like a like left the left front knocked the air cleaner off of it, one of those types, right? Yeah. So so he said, I, "I got a car." He goes, "I got a car ready to go." He said, "Send your kid up." And so I said, "Corey, after school, go up and see Eddie Sharp and see what he has." That's exactly how he said it too. So, so he gets Eddie, home. What do you got? He no, says, no, 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 no. Don't get there. So, <laughs> I'm do. I had enough. I was a senior in high school, so I had enough credits. So I can leave half days and drive to Denver. So it was Concord, Denver, North Carolina. It's about a 45 minute ride. All right. So after school one day, after that conversation, I ride up to Denver, and it's a bare chassis, bare, not one bolt hanging on this thing. And it's about like three weeks away, three weeks yeah. before the race, right? And I'm like, I just spent three months building this thing, so I know like it's next to impossible to get this thing ready. I'm like, all right, Eddie, I, you know. I appreciate the offer. Let me go, you know, talk to dad or something. But, you know, it's going to be tough. I drive back, and dad's sitting on the couch. Like, I walk in on the side door, and he don't even look at me. He's, like, flipping through. He's like, what do you got? Uh, there. I was like, there's no way we can get that thing done. I spent three months building this car. Like, we're three weeks away. And he and he didn't even look at me. He was like, you want to race or not? And I'm like, yeah. All right. So I went upstairs, and I, I slept on it, still convinced that there's no way we're going to get this thing done, right? And it was – for the next three weeks, weekends, right? That was school, drive to Denver, work till midnight, drive back, school. Now, what did you do with Bubba? You picked him up in the morning and you didn't drop him off at night? No. He used to take Bubba I to school. I used to pick Bubba up from school because he lived like two miles on the other side of the house. That's B- Bubba story. Wallace? Yeah, yeah him and okay. I went to the same high school. All right. So ended up for three weeks just all in on this car. And get, Pack- home, and get home at midnight. Yeah, maybe, maybe sometimes yeah. a little later than that. I, I, I even slept there one night at the shop. Patrick Donahue helped me. There was like... At one point, there was all hands on deck trying to get this late mile done. We pull it down, and it ended up being a pretty nice car as well. And we, we got it going. Qualified third, ended up winning the race. And that was like my first late model race. First, he always said that I couldn't handle eight cylinders. So that was like my first time with eight cylinders I was able to get the job done. It's amazing, actually. And it was the first late model stock race back at Rockingham, so that was pretty special. And that was kind of like what got the ball started rolling. Like, okay, maybe I'll be able to do this. And then Eddie sold the sold the car at the racetrack after it was over, so we were left carless after that. <laughs> that was his yeah. plan. Yep, worked so out. Get you it to worked build out. a car so he could sell it. Hey, <laughs> it worked out good for me. It worked out good for him. And then we ended up another funny story. We stole a car from from Mike Hillman. Yep. No, I, I not really. He said he didn't have one. And I, I walked in Mike Hillman when he was at Jermaine, and they had bought Robert Yates's Bush team at the time, all the Fords. Well, they switched to Toyotas. Well, like, okay, they had like three or four of these things left over. And he said, I got no Fords here. I said, I know you do. Guys that work for you tell me there's a, three of them over there. He said, I ain't got none here. So I go over there, and I, sure enough, there it is. I was like, no, there's three. I said, what are you guys going to do with this? And the guy's like, I'm thinking about running K&N with it. He said, I mean, we might get it together. He's like, that's what I'm going to do with it. So he, I come gra- home and got my truck and trailer. Loaded it up. Loaded it up. So That was how we got our first K&N car. That's interesting. So like, yeah. there's, there's a couple of guys like, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking this car. Okay, so they helped me load it up. A couple of days later, I went back with a list. I said, uh, Mike, I says, you need a car you don't have? He goes, yeah. I said, you have any of these parts for it? Because I took the car the other day. He said, you did what? I said, I took it. I said, I need these parts. I need a seat rack. I need oak. You got any brakes? <laughs> so he's like, let's go look. So 
I think that's the one that's finally was out back uh, underneath the I tree. Made a, I made an iRacing simulator out of that one. Oh, did yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we – oh, that was a good That was a good source. The, the last car, that that last race that one ever ran, anybody who's listening. PA. Uh, yeah, any, yeah, anybody who's listening to my podcast, stacking, or it's now it's Stacking Pennies on NASCAR.com for anybody that wants, wants to listen. Sunday Money, I, t- I brought, brought this one up a couple times because this one was – the ass chewing of all ass chewings. This was 2012. Brett Moffitt and I were like bitter rivals, right? It was like him and I were always, you know, the people you you race around all the time, and he's always, you know, you're always tight on his door, he's always tight on your door, and you just don't give that guy room. Well, Brett Moffitt was that guy for me growing up. We go to this dirt. It was a dirt track, Clearfield, Pennsylvania. They they like brush the dirt off of it and let us. They put our K and N cars out there, and it was like one groove. It was like slicker than opening practice of Bristol PJ one down type of thing, right? So. I qualified outside pole, Brett qualified on the pole, and it was like, who's going to give? Because <laughs> you're going to have your rights in the in the grip, and I'm going to have my lefts in the grip and let the best man win on the first lap. And I did not win. I come off turn two and plowed into the wall. Rear and house was moved over, and I was trying to hot dog that thing around. We ended up blowing the right front and killing it. Needless to say, his face was as red as that shirt he's wearing <laughs> right now because that nine and a half hours back from Clearfield, Pennsylvania, he did not take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> Just reaming me. And ultimately, that probably cost us some points. It cost us the championship, but he was none too happy about that one. And that's that was the end of the end of that car. But <laughs> the trajectory of my career at that point was still steadily going upward i think he learned something now okay maybe you probably shouldn't race the guy the first lap just to see okay i led the first lap you didn't nah 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 yeah. and yeah. we've all done it i mean we all you know we can make it hard on somebody if they want to pass you right at the end of the day you're like okay i'm gonna make it a little harder on this guy then you know i got called Corey a walk wake up call you know the last couple of years in that 32 car you know he goes as fast as he can with his ears pinned back running as fast as he can well, it's only going to go so fast. Well, at the end of the, a run on our cup cars, he's in the top five in speed because they don't slow down. It's the same speed. Well, he would get up to guys, and I'll be watching on all the apps and iPads and while I'm watching the speeds. Well, I say, okay, he's got the fifth fastest lap that lap. Okay, and I look where he's at. Okay, he's catching this guy. Well, he catches a guy, and all of a sudden the guy picks up a half a second and drives away from him. <laughs> I was like, well, people oh, look at the mirror. So aggravating. Well, people look in the mirror like, oh, I can't. I'll get yelled at if I get passed by that car. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, well, I said, so use a wake up car, and then I'll sit back and say, okay, that guy can't drive because if the speed is there, you should be there every lap, not just one. You know? So I said, okay, that guy can't drive, and there's a handful out there that can't. I kind of wish I was in the back seat of some of these conversations, uh, but <laughs> no, you don't. I, you just had a really good race at Daytona. We were talking about it at the beginning. What what was your dad's first comment to you about the race that you just completed this weekend. I don't know. Let me look at my text message. Right. Right. I, I'm That's curious. Right. I always want to see what it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me look. I don't want to. I don't want to. I've learned that before I push send, I have to clean it up sometimes. Yeah, it's I editing. Like, Let me think a- about this. Nothing wrong with editing. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's it, it came last night because uh, I drove home. Just uh, great job, hyphen. Junior's at nine. <laughs> yeah. Bo- bonus for top tens question mark missing ricks he wants to know if you get bonuses for yeah. top 10 finishes yeah. <laughs> yeah he just bought a house i'm trying to help make payments yeah <laughs> yeah we can make a couple of must payments off off daytona bonuses oh, Jesus. yeah so randy i wanted to talk about your career a little bit and uh basically when we get the old timers in here i know your racing career as far as when i was racing around you and a little bit of your bush north stuff and uh but like what connected you to racing was it family my dad yeah my dad grew up as a racer right. he's a hall of fame in new england what uh, was his career modifieds danbury connecticut was a closed club and now this place i've never seen another place like it in the united states 
uh, you got voted in, you got voted out if you wanted to be a driver. So they kept it closed, and they wouldn't let outsiders in. Well, they, they could have had a B-Main every night. You know, they had Concies every night. High Point men started in the back. So I watched, you know, high point guys, whether it's my dad or whoever. What do you mean high point guys? Like the top point guys? If you're yeah, up yeah. in the points, I don't think you can start higher than 12th. Damn. So, okay, those, in a 20-lap race, there was some rooting and gouging going. So you learned a lot by watching. So Danbury, but the best part was was the people. They had six to 10,000 people every weekend yeah. in different sections. You know, I mean, my mom would dress us up in these whatever uniforms the crew had. Me and my brother had, and you go down and go to the bathroom. Sometimes you had to run I mean, because those guys that didn't like you. You're not a joint kid. Get him. Oh, jeez. So, okay, but you also learned now I wasn't much of a runner, so uh, <laughs> I could probably roll pretty good. I was Humpty. Go get him. Were you much of a fighter? No. Okay, no, not no, a runner no, or no, a fighter. No, that's right. I, I'm good. <laughs> I might push a guy every now and again, but that's, you know, because sometimes I, this day and age, I probably wouldn't take a pretty good shot. But, uh, you know, back in the junkyard days and growing up, I mean, I wasn't bad. I could probably be a little toughy. You know, probably not. I, I next. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah, right? this is true. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so, okay, so my dad was a racer. I took up go-karting. You know, I had an older brother. How'd that you was, get your go-kart? Just old junkyard piece. Where'd you get it? Uh, who knows? Some just Yeah, maybe a leftover from, yeah. from my brother or something. You know, we had a little go-kart room on top, and we had to pull him up and rope him up to the top and pull him in and – so after school, I would go down and work on my go-kart. So my brother got killed. I was 14. He was 17. I killed in a car wreck. Well, watching him, you know, for he was so meticulous. I mean, he built go-karts. He built cars. I mean, he was a finished fab guy. Built really nice stuff. Well, that's not me. I ain't even close to a finished fab yeah, guy. Yeah, I did not I'm a, rub off yeah, on him. I'm, 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 I'm roughed in. I mean, I get it close. And that's good enough. Well, Let's his go. close is, called, is, a, is a hammer and a, a ziz wheel or a, a sawzall. <laughs> that's like, all right, it's close enough. Get yeah, it. Yeah, it's close. Welded together. I mean, it's good. It'll work. So watching him, and then and what's weird is watching him. I mean, here I, I'm growing up. You know, I watched my brother do all this cool stuff. So, okay, once I started racing, I was like, yeah, this is, this, I can do this. Well, I, I never really put the effort into building the cars. I mean, we had to. I had to because my dad's like, there it is. You want to do it, go ahead. Okay. You know, so we ever did, did everything probably half-ass. But we did okay. So then once you grow older and you see, okay, this is how you got to do it. You know, yeah. you got to have Bob Johnson doing a Bush North car and babysitting it. And, okay, this is how you do it. So, okay, went Bush North. Well, I went modified racing. They shut down our speedway, Danbury. Shut it down 81 to a shopping mall. Was it still – Club? Oh, yeah, it's a club. So the club went it to— It sounds kind of like what they got in the Cup Series now. Yeah, it's it's a gen- the gentleman's club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're yeah. cool enough. But, but they would fight. These guys, these guys <laughs> in the club would fight. I mean, after the races, they all go in the parking lot, drink beer, and fight. <laughs> and then come back next week and do it again. Because you had Danbury, where the track was, against Norwalk, against Ridgefield, against New York. I mean, there was there was six or eight guys from each location, you know, and— yeah. But then they, most of the time, they got along. You know, I mean, some guys didn't like each other, which was okay. You're always going to have that. But you ran modifieds. Yeah, right. started modifieds. Did you build, who owned these cars that you drove? The junkyard, my dad. So yeah. how good were you? I, I, okay. Were okay. You? I, I, I had a couple good years. I mean, my second year, they went from first year was the division. They, Danbury started a, a smaller division. All leftover cars, put a two-barrel on it, and let it go. Okay, so that's what we did. They used tires and two-barrels. My first year, I won one race, run the top five a bunch, and had a lot of fun. Well, second year, over the winter, I took, and same thing he did that I lay mile. I mean, I stripped the car, drilled out all the bolts. I mean, I, I, all the sh- I shaved rotating weight immensely. I was in a machine shop at school, 
So I took everything that turned and I made it lighter, balanced it. Go back to second year. Hell, we won 14 out of 20. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. I'm like, okay. What, the first time you got back in the car, after you put it back together after doing all that work and went through the corner the first time, did you, were you like blown away by oh, how much oh, better uh, but it was? It, it, it wasn't just that cornering speed. It was to get up to, you know, from – Acceleration from, and all Yeah, from, from, <laughs> from here to the start-finish line, yeah. I beat all the guys. Yeah. You know, from turn – when I got on the gas and they With got the on the same gas. same car, but just no, – Yes, <laughs> yeah. and, and that got my wheels spinning. Oh, you know? I bet. Well, I mean, here my dad jumps in at one time. He said, I'm going to drive your car. Okay, go ahead. He practiced it. So he comes in, he gets out. Hold on, give me a pen. Well, he makes me a list that long. You got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. But you probably could hold it wide open. And that's all I heard. It's my turn. <laughs> my turn, my practice. I go out, first lap, second lap, one and two wide open. Coming out of four, the thing gets sideways, and I park it head right front into the fence. Whew. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that's wrecked. So the modifieds are next to go out. So they pull them on the racetrack. They had to fix the fence. So they pull them in. My dad says, holy heck, somebody destroyed the fence. He said, yeah, go check your kid's car out. <laughs> he said, what happened? I said, I, can't, I, I didn't hold it wide. I held it wide open until then. Almost made it. <laughs> yeah. Almost yeah. made it. Yeah. yeah. So you ran some modifieds. You yep. got you once started winning races. What? How do you went, get went to from, Bush North? They shut down. Uh, so the modifieds Danbury, shut down. At Danbury. Did you sell your car? Nope. Yeah, so I, I kept it, and we went to Stafford on Fridays and New London on Saturdays. My dad had an old Richie Evans car he, he gave me. So I, I took that Richie Evans car. That was my Saturday car. And then my first race car, my dad bought at a body shop, repossessed. Your first? First ever stock modified. Car or modified. Modified. Okay. But he bought it at a body shop. The thing was repossessed, turnkey. So I, I, that's what I took. He said, take that car and go ahead. So that was my first car. And then uh, we go to New London, and they had a touring series coming in the following week. And the promoter, Dickie Williams, said, hey, Randy, because I got these halfway through the year. He's I got these uh, late model guys coming in next week. You want to drive one of these cars? I never drove in a big car. I said, yeah, why not? Perfect opportunity. And old C.A. Crouch, Robbie Crouch's dad, uh, had like a traveling car, number 36. Okay, so C.A. was a good old man. So, <laughs> yeah. okay, so I take that car. We qualified, and, man, I remember going to the front, got the lead early. Well, next thing you know, 10 laps later, I'm getting lapped. I, it was a 150-lap race. I never went through more than 25. Yeah. So at the end of the race, I'm wore out. He said, Randy, you just drove the car too fast through the corners. <laughs> and it took me a long time to realize, you know, until the days of thunder, your way, my way. Yeah. yeah. And now he said, okay, these bigger cars are a whole lot different. But I had a really good time. I said, okay. And my dad and Bob Johnson had built a Speedway Modified. They built the Firebird. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So Speedway Modified is basically Daytona. Yes. And where, was this car, what was the number on that car? Do you remember? 47. Was it basically, was, was it like a full body Camaro? Yeah, yeah, Firebird. Like, we cut the body off of the junkyard. We put it on, we took a body off a junkyard and put it on yeah. that car. Did you run it what the year, do you remember what yeah. year? Like mid-70s, early 70s? Late, late that, that, 70s? Uh, well, no, 82, 81. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, 81, 82. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so Danbury closed eighty one. Yeah, my granddaddy had a couple of those cars that DW drove, and okay. I remember Harry Gant raced in that race, yep. and Neil Bonnet drove Pee Wee's car in that race. Cool looking car, great, I mean, geez, they wild had looking yeah, cars. Yeah. yeah. So you went, your dad built one of those. Yep, him and Bob Johnson. Who drove it? He did. Your dad. Yep. How did he do? Good. Yeah. He did okay. I mean, he was going for. Because they ran like four races with those cars. They ran Charlotte, and he was yeah, going yeah, for yeah. third at Charlotte. Got got hit by Joe Henry Thurman. Yep, and <laughs> got crashed. He was a lap car. And well, Bob Johnson, Hall of Fame crew chief, 
I remember being down there because I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you can't. So I come home from school and I packed the bag. I grabbed clothes because Bob was coming by the house to get some stuff for my dad. And then they were leaving. Well, I jumped in his truck, drove to Martinsville. Did he try to tell you to get out? Or? No, no, Bob didn't care. Come on. Yeah. He says, you check? I said, yeah, I told my grandma I'm going. I said, so, <laughs> so anyway, we go down there, go to Charlotte, and big wreck. My dad crashed. I said, damn, he, you know, he was running good. Bob Johnson picked up the air tank, nozzle and everything, and he threw that thing onto the cart. I was like, he was mad. I was like, oh, boy, this guy's mad. Which Bob had always had a temper because he was Ronnie Bouchard's crew chief. Ronnie Bouchard drove his yes. 17 modifieds. Mm-hmm. And I remember at Stafford watching the race that Bouchard was leading run out of gas. And all of a sudden, you see this thing flying across the pit area. <laughs> it was one of those old four-way lug wrenches just going across. I was like, boy, I hope it ain't a boomerang because he's going to hurt somebody. <laughs> well, Bob Johnson had a, he had a little hot yeah. temper, you know, which – I think bled off a little bit on him because he was always in my ear. You know, a lot of times I just shut, I'll just unplug the radio and yellow come out. I'll plug it back in and say, okay, what, what am I going to howl that now for? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he always said, Randy, you do the difficult things easy. When the easy stuff, you screw it up. That, I sell that to him a lot of times, you know, because it's hard to do this stuff mm. and it's hard to pass cars. It's hard to do this. Well, that's the easy part where, you know, okay, we passed them all and now you're just doing something and you're, do something dumb and you crash. You're like, yeah. So your dad built that Camaro. Let me rule you back yep. in. Your daddy built that Camaro, but connect me to you getting in a. I know you run that stock car yep. for uh, Crouch, right? Yep. This is a, yep. CA Crouch. So um, how do you get into Bush North? We took that car. That car you drove? That, that, my mm-hmm. father's Firebird and, oh. and Bob's Firebird. It was out in storage somewhere. Well, we said, okay. We looked at the NASCAR North rule book. They said, okay, we could put a Ventura body on it, you know? Yeah, so yeah. we went out back to the junkyard, cut a body off, put it on this car, and we went to Stafford, and we went to Dover with it. I think we run second at Dover with it, and which was amazing. I mean, here's a young kid going well, to Dover. pants when you went around Dover the first <laughs> well, time. Yeah, well, Bob, Bob said, hey, go talk to Harry Gant, and he'll tell you how to get around here. So I went down to Harry, and he brought me out to the start-finish line, and he damn near walked me around the racetrack. Well, yeah. in the middle of three and four, back in the day, you get to the middle of three and four, there was a telephone pole out of four. He says, Randy, aim for that telephone pole to the right front. He says, you get here, look at that telephone pole. That's the spot you need to be. He says, gas it up and go to that spot. Okay. So ever, ever since then, that was, my, that was my middle of three and four. That's where I'm aiming for. Well, then when they concreted the track, they took the pole down. I drove straight into the fence. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, Talk about stuck in your ways a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where'd my pole go? I yeah. my pole back. Well, I have yeah. no pole. We took it when we fixed the walls. Great. Uh, so, okay, so we did that, and then we went Bush North racing. We had uh, two, two guys, uh, the, the Snellman brothers, Yote and Kai Snellman, that were successful in building. I had a truck. You know, Bob had that Firebird, and he goes, okay, well, let's pull all this stuff together. We'll go to Freddie Rosner. We'll, I sold my modified stuff, and when I sold my modified stuff, who did I sell it to? Teddy Christopher. Really? First modified Teddy ever run was That's he cool. bought from Whoa, me. Whoa, are yeah. you serious? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so I got that Teddy into cool. this. A lot of guys are mad at me for getting Teddy in. So. He, 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 he was a great friend. Nerf bar, Nerf bar manufacturers loved it. Yeah, front bumper manufacturers loved it. <laughs> I, I guarantee yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. I kind of had a little remembrance of that. Go to, I went to Smyrna the other night, and there was a couple of cars with bunches of bumpers just tore up. I said, what's that, the Teddy Christopher heat racing bumper? <laughs> bumper pile uh so we get going and we said sell all the modifieds build a bush north car 
Bob was hooked up with Moroso. My dad and Dick Moroso were good friends. Mm-hmm. So we go. They, they built the motor there at, at uh, Dick's place. Bob would go up there, would all use all his machinery, and we went Bush North racing. And you did and, good. And, well, yeah, we did. That was fun. You know, I mean, raced through Canada, Maine, New yeah. Hampshire. I mean, that, that was fun. I, I, I still have a lot of people in my phone, you know, from, from doing that. But that was a lot of fun. Did you go from Oxford, drive across New Hampshire? Are you racing Quint. for a living? Oh, well, no, working at the junkyard. I, yeah. I still had a day job, you know. How big is the junkyard? Six acres, four acres, six acres, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah, it was plenty big. You know, I, mean, I tore up a lot of cars. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, and, and drove a lot of equipment and, and just literally tear stuff up. And, you know, it, it, it's nice to be in a little small town because you get away with a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get the call to come down south? Jimmy Spencer. Jimmy said, hey, uh, I seen him, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm going cup racing. I'm going to get out of the bush car. He was driving Frank Cece's 34. Yep. And he says, call Frank. He says, here's his number. Call him up and, and see if he'll put you in it. So, okay. So I call Frank up, and he says, well, he said, oh, yeah, I got a full shop and motors and cars, and I'll give you 300 a week to come work wait, for wait, me. Wait, wait, wait. So you called him. Yep. And and about mid sea right before it was on Pocono time. Okay, so middle of the year for yep. next year. Yeah, I think no, because the season was going and Jimmy okay. was Jimmy was leaving in the middle of the year. Yeah, and so that's right. Yeah, yep. so Jimmy Jimmy gets his cup ride, his yep. opportunity starts to materialize mid season, right? To, yep. And he's going to get out of the thirty four and go into the yep. that thirty four. So were you like you weren't the only guy calling to get in that, oh, that car? I, yeah, I don't know, probably not. Yeah, I mean, because you know, racers, everybody wants to, everybody wants your job. Yeah, so and it's not a bad car. No, and so I think I might have been the cheapest guy. because I, I had a help. But you, you had a, a champ, you were coming off a championship, right? No, but, just a bunch of years later. Eighty-five, okay, okay. I won the championship. Okay, so this is much later. Yeah, oh, well, this is 80, yeah. 88, okay. 89. Okay, yeah. So you worked a deal. How much did you pay you? 300 a week. Nothing else? No, when that was it. Percentages? Uh, you know, that, that percentage is – Finch is the only guy that was good to me with percentages. <laughs> yeah, Finch, will, he would take a photostat copy of whatever check came in and give you 50%. Yeah. And everybody else is like, no, that's not yours. Oh, that's deal money. That's plan C. This is uh, contingent. Ah, everybody nickel and dime you. Yeah. Not Finch. You know, so, okay. So yeah. you drove the 34? Yep. And how was Get that? There, it was, you know, it was good. It was fun. Because now I'm going big time racing. I'm and, moving. and you I'm moved. Moving. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and so now you're down here. We just got. I just got married. I got married, and it wasn't a month. I said, "Honey, I'm moving." And her parents moved in with us. So I said, "Okay, she'll be okay." Wait, y'all all moved? No, nope. no, she stayed. She stayed up there. I said, "Let me go try it." You moved down by yourself. Yep. Wife yep. stays up north. Parents move in with her, so she's good. Yep. How long did that? How long were y'all like that? Six eight months. Huh. Because it was a half a season deal. Yeah. You know. So okay. So my first race was Hickory finished second you know and we never i never won in the 34 that that bothers me because who, who won the hickory race tommy else i want to say uh i, I should have waxed their butts at rougemont and rick mast is, rick mast wrecked me there's a story there yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm mad hey? i'm just like third or fourth race and yeah hey, i'm big wig i mean sucker wrecked me so i'm mad he runs the one that robert presley won robert presley in uh the 99 google clusters car tommy, tommy. else <laughs> they, they tangled ass coming to the checkered up in the air. The day I met, that was the day I met Brad Daughtry. Uh, drinking. Oh, Jesus, that sucker. <laughs> Good drink. Uh, so, uh, we go, and, and I go to the scale because Rick had run second or third, and I'm mad. I go rolling into the scale house, and he looks at me and says, Hey, Yankee, welcome to the South. I was like, Oh, 
Or and then it's like there was a whole lot more Southerners than there was Yankees. So Rick, Rick Mass not only wrecks you, he sort of uh, walking. He puts the football on your yeah. head, then yeah, just correct. tells you this is what you got to look forward to. Well, yeah. So, oh well. Was he right? <sighs> they welcomed me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, some liked you and some didn't. You know, I mean, I've got along great with a lot of different teams. You know, and, and I think that's one of the reasons is is I did so many things. I mean, and then after that season. Uh, I think Clifford Allison come in here with some money, and so I didn't have a ride. So I called the wife up. I said, honey, I said, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I kind of like it down here. I said, this is pretty cool. And she goes, well, it's okay. She came down. We found a place to live, and I opened a little fabrication shop just to – and then I started to be a truck driver. I, got, I still have my CDL from the junkyard. But, hey, LaJoy, come drive my truck. Okay. I'm, Whose I, truck? Anybody. I drove Raymox uh, truck. Uh, uh, we run fifth at Daytona with Dick Trickle. You know, I was a truck driver. You're driving the truck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, he want, you wanted to stay here because you liked it down here, but correct. you didn't necessarily – you weren't banking on the racing career to, to really well, – I mean, yeah, I mean, you were hoping, but probably didn't. Yes. If yeah. I get a chance, I can do this, you know. And then uh, Moroso had issues, and he goes, hey, Randy, I need you to drive a car for me. This is 93. He says, uh, I ain't got a driver. You want? I got Bobby Hamilton in a cup car. We need to run two cars. Fina, we got a sponsor. They want to run both. So, okay, so our first race is – Talladega. This is an Xfinity car. Yeah, Xfinity car, yeah. So, okay, so it was me and Dick Myers. We're the only ones working on the car. And Dick was a smart, smart man. Jesus, he was one of the most talented fabricators I've ever seen. Well, I didn't really know. He, he's got this deck lid that he's got cut apart, and he's been working on this thing for a week. So we, it's time to go. We need the template guy. Chip Warren was the template guy. So I go get Chip, and uh, he comes over, and I didn't really know what the guy was doing to the deck lid. Oh, he had that thing cheated up so darn bad. <laughs> <laughs> the cut scalloped. He goes, Randy, at least tell me that chip is coming in. I thought, okay, you know, I will next time. Uh, <laughs> and we end up running second to your dad, you know, at, at my first time there. And where at? Talladega. You ran second at Talladega. He hurt me, too. He hurt my shoulder. He hurt my hand. Doing what? I was following him. And it was me, him, and Schrader. We had gone. We had left the pack. And I'm running there watching us. Okay, this is good. You know, I'm easing the throttle. I'm learning as I go, you know. So about halfway through the race, we're going down the backstretch, and I see your dad's fingers out the window. What the heck's he doing? Next lap, I look, and he's still doing it. I said, that sucker's cheating. You know, he's something, something's right. Something ain't right. You know, what the heck? So next lap, I see traders out the window. What the heck? And then about two laps later, after the sweat's all rolling in your eyes, no air conditioners, none of that stuff, ah, I says, ah, they're getting some air. <laughs> so I come out of two, and I put my hand out the window, and I could have changed the gas cap. That thing went around the window net was slapping me in the head. I was like, what? I freaking pulled my arm back in at the end of the race. My watch was all blowed up. My arm's bleeding. I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. That's funny. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So that did that opportunity end up driving you to the 74? Well, uh, then during that year, they needed a, 74 needed a driver at Rougemont. Something happened. I don't know. I think Sprague was in it, and it was before Benson got in yeah. it. And I went to Rougemont, and hell, we had a hell of a race. We lost two laps, made them up. And at the end of that race, Bumgarner, the owner said, hey, you ever need a job, call me. Okay. You know? So three years later, two years later, in 94, I stayed with Moroso a couple of years and, and had a great time, you know. And anytime you work with somebody, I think loses a child is different because mm-hmm. you don't ever know. All right. And Dick was on one day was great, and the next day probably not so great. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so that's, that's what it was. Well, we go, and I get go to Moroso. We finish Moroso, uh, Bill Davis calls. Hey, 
You want to go for rookie of the year? Cup car? New sponsors coming in, Pontiac. Why not? Hell yeah, I'll go cup racing. So I called Bobby up. I said, Bobby, I said, hey, I got an opportunity. He says, you got a job? I said, no. Did you need one? He said, yeah, pretty much. He goes, okay, it's a job. And that was it. He didn't say it was good. He didn't say it was bad. Not to look forward to it. So, okay, so we go to Bill Davis, and they have Pontiac and a new sponsor. And it wasn't what it was all cracked up to be. Mm. I mean, when you're not as good as the other guys, it, it's not fun. And yeah. we weren't as good as the other guys, you know, and for some reason or another. I mean, then – so halfway through the year, I got canned from, from Bill Davis's. So my first call was to Bill Baumgarten. I said, hey, I, said, I need a job. Because at the end of the year, you got one. Because nice. they were going for the championship yeah. with, with Benson. Uh, so I said, okay, cool. So then I drove for another funny story. Old Dennis Shoemaker, the 64 car, Duraloop car. That, yes. Uh, Brian Schaefer mm-hmm. works for you. Was a, was a team manager, crew chief, everything. Good guy. Well, I got a story would, from Bristol about that. Keep going. I would call Dennis for two years. Dennis, let me drive your car. Because it was a good car. Let me drive. Not, not. He always had cup guys. I mean, bag of donuts cup guys. Not even good cup guys. But they were cup guys. But once I did 14 races, he let me drive his car because I was a cup guy. Hmm. <laughs> and we had a lot of fun. I mean, mm-hmm. wrecked a lot of stuff. I, I, Trickle always thanked me. He says, thanks, Randy. He says, you always gave me new equipment. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was what, 90? That was 94. Four. four. So I'd have been three or four. Yeah. Probably four. Uh, I'm in the infield of Bristol during practice and they're whew, making laps right and i'm sitting on the wall because you know there's no limits to where you can go i could have been changing tires on the thing for all i care yeah well they they changed some tires during the middle of practice gonna make a mock run or something they're sleeping all the lug nuts up to the wall and i'm like ooh, right lug nut and you're four years old right and i pick it up quick quick enough to like not realize how hot it was and stuck it on my thumb oh little did i know it was about a thousand degrees my thumb swelled up and i was like Waving, it would not come off. The lug nut stuck on my thumb. Guy gets the impact gun. Ving! Whoa! Sings that thing right off my thumb. What? Oh, yeah, it was not. He was in the infield care. I don't, you still have a thumb then. I don't pick, I don't pick my it's a five lug nuts stub. up anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what it was. Yeah, that, that one that one hurt. It's wrapped Damn, up band-aids. Son, that's awful. Duct tape. Yeah, that's Ouch. a bad idea. Don't pick up hot lug nuts at Bristol. Oh, don't <laughs> let him take the gun to it if you do. Well, you <laughs> had to get it off. Yeah, get her off. And quickly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Picture this. It's blazing hot outside, and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Speaking of Bristol. Yeah. Oh, we had a great night there one night. I, I remember you and Buckshot Jones in Bristol. Now, this might have been a couple years uh, later, right? And, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was uh, a little later. And, and if I'm jumping around, no, you're no, 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 it's fine. 98, yeah. I think. 98, 98. When, yeah. when I was there. Well, yeah. tell us the story. I mean, I remember seeing it, but I'm, I'm take us back through what happened. 
through the course of the year, you know, Buckshot, Ricky Pearson, that team being our motors, I mean, God, they didn't lack for nothing. I mean, the guy was a dart without feathers. I mean, all over the place. So, okay, we're running in the pylon. Well, caution comes out. And I was probably fifth or sixth. And what happened? And you see a bunch of crew guys standing on pit road flipping somebody off. And they're like, ah, buckshot wrecked the guy. So, okay, go another 10 laps. Caution come out. <laughs> pit crew guys on the back stretch are flipping someone. Who they? Ah, buckshot wrecked somebody. <laughs> you know, then he wrecked, he, he wrecked McLaughlin. And big guy was standing out there. You know, I was like, okay. And here's, he's coming up. Double O's coming up the board. And I always told him, I said, listen, don't, you don't mess with me and I ain't going to mess with you. Well, he gets to me, jacks my left rear up. Okay, he gets to me. Jack. Well, he gets by me. Well, when he did, I picked him up at the start-finish line, and I ain't lifted yet. I was going in one and carried him a little deep, and he wrecked. I mean, it looked like a gremlin. So, okay, the place went halfway quiet. It was, it was a little loud when he wrecked. Well, okay, so I come around, and the spotter says, hey, he's looking for you. So we come around, and I come out of two, and I see him down the backstretch. Car jopping. And I tried to pull alongside of Robert Presley to hide. He was in the 59, a Lions guard. He wouldn't let me up. So I said, like, okay. So I backed it up a little bit. And we get into turn three, and I hear Buckshot gasses it up. And he turns. So I gas mine up. And he tried to get out. And he takes a hard right, and he misses me and drives straight into the fence. The car shook when the crowd went, the crowd noise. It was like you taking a lead to Talladega. I mean, it went nuts. And I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. You know? <laughs> so we run third. Okay. Come down pit road, and there's people everywhere freaking wanting to fight. So the state cops put us on the golf cart. On the cart. back of a golf cart. Corey's there. I remember my that. My wife's there. Yeah, we come up out of the out of the tunnel and people throwing beers. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're throwing beers. Oh, everything. Hey, 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 you? I guess. Yeah, they're throwing somewhere. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, well, I mean, when Buckshot sold out of souvenirs that that weekend. Oh, the, you, the, so you the PR people thanked me the next week. Yeah, you helped him out. Yeah. yeah. You so, and okay. him had a bunch of run-ins. Oh yeah, Bristol, New Hampshire. Why would y'all? Why didn't y'all get on? I didn't like him. Did you ever? That usually does it. Did, you, did y'all <laughs> ever? Did y'all ever talk about it? Did y'all no. ever figure it out? Yeah, we're okay. I guess now, yeah. as long as I don't see him, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I never really got to know Buckshot. I mean, I, we, we, I don't think you missed anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, he had a hell of a gimmick, you know, with the with the, the, the rifles and uh, yeah, it was it was a great gimmick, and he was fast, you know. But he was just a dart without feathers, yeah. you know. Have a damn. Did you have yeah. any other people that you felt? As uh, as lovingly towards uh, in your career? <laughs> no, no, he was about the only one buck, I, that, that buckshot was your guy. Well, I mean, at Talladega, we were at Talladega, and I had a big push. I had backed the lineup, and he was in front of me, and I backed the lineup, and, and I said, "I'm gonna go around him, coming out of going into one." He jumped up to block me. I mean, somebody was gonna wreck because I had eight guys pushing me, and it wasn't gonna be me. I ain't lifted yet. I mean, I just boom. He goes down through the infield. Rex, okay. End of the race, we run out of gas twice. And I'm mad because it was the same year we won Daytona. Come back to Talladega, I said, we're going to be good here. We go run out of gas twice. I said, how do you miss it twice? So I wasn't happy, you know. (laughs) So, okay, checkered comes out. I unhook, take my helmet off, hang it up, going down the back stretch. He comes out of the infield and T-bones me. Buckshot does. With no helmet on? No, I had nothing on. I was like, you son of a – so – down in the infield, well, I, there he is, no farther than that car from me, and I burst gear. I said, oh, I better get out of the mud first before I hit him. <laughs> so I finally got the thing out of the mud, and he's gone. We come in, I pull in, like, uh, NASCAR wants to see you in the truck. Okay, not a problem. So we go in the truck, Ray Hill, I go up, Ricky, 
Pearson's in there. Birdie's behind me. We'll go walking in. Buckshot's in there. And as I went up the stairs, I tripped, and I kind of might have hit him. <laughs> might have kind of hit him. So I was like, what the hell was that all about, you know? And, and old Ray Hill, he loved the guy. And, and he was just so calm. He just, Randy, just sit over there and just calm down. <laughs> mm. I said, yes, sir, Ray. So he said, okay, what the heck happened? And he said, he wrecked me. Talladega, man, it's you can't pull in front of somebody going 30 mile an hour and thinking you're not going to get wrecked. So now that started it, you know, and then and that's that, how it started. Yeah, and then New Hampshire, we got into it. And I, I wasn't know. there that day, but I, when he got back, he was laying in bed. Was that the left side? Left like, side, yeah. And he's, you know, I don't know no different. Dad just wrecked, right? And it was maybe on a Sunday or Sunday. Uh, you know, I get up, dad's back, and I'd run, hey, dad, jump in the bed with him, <laughs> just I smother him right off. Yeah. I'm probably seven. <laughs> like, no, nothing of it. Well, he's one arm, throws me off the bed, right? And you, you take, he takes the dang comforter off, and from his neck to his ankles, black and blue from, I'm assuming you hit the door bars or something. Yeah, Big wreck, so yeah, I didn't know. Ooh, yeah. Don't jump on that. That happens after a big I, two or three wreck. times. I've turned my body black and blue from hitting stuff. Yeah, you know, it's okay. That's we didn't know any better back then. Yeah, I flipped down the uh, back straightaway with Dick Trickle in my first race at Daytona in 1998, and that was Buckshot. Was it really? Yeah. Did he you, started that common you, denominator? Did, you said you never had a relationship with him, or you never got to know him. I mean, just did, never had a conversation really more than just hey and what's up. Nothing, man. Yeah, nothing. Buckshot these days. I think I'm, he's I don't still out. He's still out there. Is I he? was in Nebraska yeah. two years ago. I was out in Nebraska at the Sprint Car Nationals. So I leave the racetrack and I'm going back to where I'm staying, the Kaziski family, and I'm listening to to nine to NASCAR radio, and I said, Claire B's like, I'm going to talk to Buckshot. I was like, huh. I was like, I, I was, he, he, I was he, like, he starts swerving. Yeah. I was like, I said, what's <laughs> so I listened Starting to the interview. PTSD. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, get a headache listening to him. <laughs> so no sooner does he get off the, the thing, because Claire B had no clue that we had a rivalry. Because somebody said, like, hey, you got she, you had a rivalry? Oh, yeah, me and LaJoy, we got in all the time. What? No sooner he gets off, my phone's ringing. Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, mm-hmm. there ain't nobody out. Hello. It's Claire. Hey, Randy Buckshot. Oh, it's Buckshot. What the heck you want? You know, I remember <laughs> Seeing him a couple years later, he was racing at Concord, and they were doing autographs before the race, and I, I walked up behind him, and I bent him over his rear spoiler, and I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing down. And he's like, what's going on? I said, I'm going to cut you in half. This spoiler's going to cut you in half. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, well, we're all good, ain't we? I said, oh, yeah, we're great. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine you two raced each other. I mean, Me and Randy? Yeah, right? I mean, like in – I couldn't catch him. The last couple of years, I couldn't catch. Is that, you see, I don't ever. Well, I followed him at, at Watson's Glen. I laughed. Ah, I <laughs> bet. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Well, uh, me at Watkins Glen. Oh. You weren't that bad. No, always, you you were there during the Bud days. You didn't see the AC Delco. Okay, days. So, so I come in <laughs> after after happy hour because we all go out together. He was leading. I was third in points, so we go all go out together. And I come in after about five laps, and I'm I'm just laughing. And I, I see Tony Senior and Junior. I said, guys. I said, you guys ain't going to have to pit for tires. They're like, why not? I said, because they're never on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most fun I had following them. I was like, wow, yeah. where's he going? <laughs> I had no idea. And then, and then Boris had to straighten you out. Yeah, he did. Boris was, I mean, I grew up in the same town as Boris. Oh, uh, Boris said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but he, everybody would always make fun of him because he was always a road racer, you know, and he never, never did the circle track stuff. Uh, so Boris always, I was always been a friend with Boris and he helped me a lot too. I and mean, we went up there and did all that computer stuff and hey, this is how you do it, you yeah. know, and it, it definitely, it's so much different today. I mean, like dart fish. I mean, I, we didn't have none of that. Yeah. We had old stopwatch. Okay, where's he beating you? I don't know. I know. You know, uh, but 
now you could you definitely can't lie. Yeah. Boris would be really fast. I've, I tell this all the time, but this is kind of how good he is, good person-wise. But he would be super, really fast. Obviously, everybody would say, well, you know, he's a road racer. He's a ringer. That's what you know they called him back then. And I'd go, hey, Boris, I'm not fast. Obviously, I'm not a ringer. I'm not good at road racing. But what do you got for setup? And he'd go, this front bar, these two front springs, these two rear springs. This is where the track bar is at. Just put this, put this, put this much, this much, this and that. He'd give you the whole setup. And here, put it in. Yeah, he'll still outrun you. Yeah. yeah. But... I'd go put his setup in, and I'd pick up a second. You know, I mean, he didn't he didn't care to give you everything. He and he they he knew a little bit about setups enough to make his car better. You know what I mean? He yeah. hop in those he'd hop in those cars. He'd get to he's the ringer, but he's driving like a mid pack car. Yeah, and he'd turn correct. that mid pack car into a into yeah. a top car with the setup changes he make. But um, yeah, he was a big help. Um, Corey, we got we got a little bit of time left and I wanted to make sure we talked about we had talked about it a little bit at the start but your new opportunity with Spire we had one of the owners in here was Dickerson it? yeah yeah. But this year uh, last, last year, year. Okay. Yeah, right, after, right after he bought that 95 into last year that's right, that's right. We, we were yeah because Dale Jr. was like what is he up to there's something fishy going and on and that's it <laughs> like so I, you know in conversations with you the Spire seems to be in the sort of this transition right and in talking to you you've kept you say something like they want to do it the right way Right. Yeah, and he's and I th- I think he even said that when he was here, Dickerson. Uh, we want to do it the right way. We're trying to do it the right way. What is the right way? Like what? What does that even mean? You like they've had to race a certain way up to this point. Yeah, right. And you said to me in text message, like, man, we had they had to run, they had to do things a certain way to get to where we are this year to be able to go do it the way we want to do it. Right. And so, like, help me understand, like, th- what's so different about their method, and what what's putting them in that box, and and how are how are they succeeding? So, the last two years of Spire of what they've had to do isn't what we're doing from last week at the 500 for the rest of Spire Motorsports, right? When they bought that 78 charter without getting too much into the weeds to it, there was so much historical money in the back end. They knew if they ran it at the leanest price possible, it would pay for itself in three years and they would essentially have a charter for free. And then we can, they can start a competitive program. And then along the way, they got, they got another charter. Then they end up getting, they buy the 95 charter, the shop, the Alan Quickie shop, all the assets, some of which 23XI bought, but they are were starting to position themselves to own all the stuff and yeah. be a race team, right? But they gave it the charter essentially to Jay Robinson to operate as one of his cars for the first two years, right? With essentially no employees. Like, here's a charter, run it, and we'll kind of manage it and do our stuff. And the Jeff, the, the, the joke between Jeff and I was always like, hey, whenever you guys go, whenever you guys want to go race, <laughs> call me. Yeah. Because I anything Jeff Dickerson's been a part of and anything TJ Pusher's been a part of has been successful, right? When TJ was part of Braun Racing, they were they were a damn good Bush team. When t- when TJ was part of Turner Motorsports, like that, you wanted to go drive Turner Motorsports. And TJ's been around a long time. Yeah, I mean TJ's dad. I'm not sure if you remember back in the in the Northeast was his Auto Palace parts. Yes, and they had a NASCAR Rail and Modified. They had mm-hmm. a dirt car. They had a super late model. And, and uh, Ted Pusher run that program. So he grew up. I mean, Brett Hearn told me because I I remember TJ when he had a little NASCAR bed. He said I've known him that long. Yeah, so, so. he he's a racer in every sense, and he's kind of in the he's behind the scenes. He's doing the day to day operations. Jeff's kind of the guy up front putting the big pieces together. So when when the news comes out when Jeff was on the podcast that he bought the ninety they bought the ninety five all the LFR stuff, I shot him a text like, Hey, when do you want me to bring the seats over? Hmm. That was in I don't know 
June or July. And he was like, he actually didn't respond to the text, right? He, I'm sure he was busy or whatever. But a couple months go by, and I announced that I was leaving the 32 car with essentially no other ride. Just no one, you know, there's a couple options out there that I had on the table, but nothing felt good, right? Like, it, it's different for me taking the keys to something that's already established that's easier short term probably to to validate okay I'm going to go do this and we're going to run here but when we sat at the conference table with with everybody it was our first meeting they had every single number of car owner that I spoke to on this whiteboard right cuz they're <laughs> I mean they're all intermingled I mean they had you know uh, that we were in conversations to drive the 8 car here a couple times it just it didn't pan out but like all of the conversations I had was on this whiteboard and they're like man we we want the best for you so like let's if you want to talk about these options here you know let, let's let's talk through it let's talk through pros and cons and I've already talked to the wife about it a couple times and a couple of numbers up there like the 43 and some others and I'm like man I, there's something to me that's that draws me to wanting to be like in in it at the found in it at the studs right where we didn't know they didn't know at the time where they were getting cars motors people crew chief they were like this is the vision we have and this is the culture we're going to try to build after the first meeting I was like all right that, that, that went good and he Jeff asked me like when you told me when you're asked where to bring your seats were you were you being serious? I was like, probably like sixty forty joking at the time. <laughs> I said, but now you know now I'm probably eighty twenty serious if we can make a deal work. And every every meeting and every talk just kind of materialized, getting better and better. And you know they started having some good talks with Ganassi and having some good talks with Rick on the motor side. And that stuff actually was after I even signed up. But I guess I was Spire Motorsports employee zero zero one because you know they they signed me up and they're like, okay, who do you want to be your crew chief? Who do you want to be an engineer? I think that the potential ceiling that we're trying to build at Spire Motorsports is is going to be higher than all the other options that were on the whiteboard for me at that time. What's your expectations in far, as far as performance? It's hard to say right now. Can you? How do you even quantify it without without any laps? Yeah. So you know, I think, I think I think I think that we just execute and, and do what we can do right do the things we can control right and let everything else fall into place. You know, you can go say, oh, we're going to try to make the chase or we're going to try to win two races or we're going to do all this stuff. And if we just control what we control, sometimes that might be 24th. What car? So this is just for me, selfishly. Yeah. But when you drove the 32 car, yeah. you had guys that you should beat. You had guys that exactly. if you did beat, it was a good day. Yeah. Who are those guys? Uh, I mean, I think that today, the, today JTG, I think we can compete with the RCR cars. I mean, we're we're – as close of an alliance to Ganassi as you can have without being in their shop. You know, Ryan Sparks and Matt McCall are on the same simulation. They can look at setups, and we got a good motor package from from Hendrick and the drivetrain from there. So, you know, I think a good week for us, if we go to Martinsville, we should run 8th to 10th, honestly. I think I get around there pretty well. And uh, I know Ryan Sparks is, is my crew chief. He was my crew chief last year at the 32. And he was working with a, a broken screwdriver and a hammer, right, essentially to set that thing up. And there was a lot of times where we had really good driving cars and, and just didn't have the motor package and had some older cars. But I knew giving him some rope and giving him some tools to work with, I, I really do think we're going to have a really good year and surprise a lot of people. I, I, help me with the time frame because I'm going to go back to when you made that announcement uh, to leave 32. Publicly, I believe you said you did not have anything lined up. I will speak for myself and say there's no way anybody leaves a team without anything lined up, right? But you're saying for a fact you didn't have anything and you did still make that decision. So from that from that time, when did when did you feel good that you were going to land in a ride? Well, I I did have this. I, I I've had some loyal supporters over the past couple of years. Schluter Systems being one, 
Built Bar, uh, Dry Dean, like a lot of these companies I've formed relationships with that are that are going with me because they they like okay. how I represent their brand. So, so, so you had some money. I had a little bit of money. Okay, right, and and that's leverage in any, yeah, in any sure. sense of the way. So I wasn't completely like, all right, I'm gonna take my helmet and cross my fingers and right, hitchhike. Right, right. So, you know, there was some, there was two or three cars I knew I could get in, but I wasn't necessarily excited about it, right? There was nothing there. I was like, yeah, that's like, that's going to be the one. And talking to TJ and Jeff and like what they were trying to do, they don't quite, they didn't know at the point at the time how they were going to get from point A to point B, but they have hired the people to, to help them do that with Steve Latarch, kind of behind the scenes guy, putting the pieces from, mm-hmm. from Ganassi there. And, and Steve, as you work with a coworker, he's, man, he's awesome. So it's just been a lot of fun so far. I mean, everybody thinks they're going to make the, ch- make the playoffs yeah. here first week after the Daytona 500. But, you know, I think if we just continue to incrementally improve, we got the next-gen car coming in next year, which th- is really why they're hedging their bet. Right. Right. But we've actually got a lot better cars for this season than, than what was previously, previously you know, told to me. So it's, it's worked out pretty good. The Spire story is interesting. I, I was interested. It you is. know, we, 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 uh, we did that one race deal with them at Darlington. And I went up there and got to experience, you know, a race through the lens of them and, and how they uh, approach each race. What you're saying, though, is that was last year's approach. This, things have, uh, have improved. Like last year, they were week to week looking for tires. I don't know how else I can. I can say, but it, like you, you have to separate the Spire Motorsports from its previous two years yeah. to now, which like, is which is great. Yeah, and and I think the fans too will eventually realize that. I mean, you don't put two Daytona, you don't put two cars in the top ten at the five hundred by being by being slackers, slackers, right? right? Like, and and they are making a conscious effort. I mean, they're spending the money in the right areas. You know, we're not going to have the biggest shop necessarily, but they're spending the right the the money in the right places with people. And, and equipment, and I think it's going to show. You know, and I think that there will be some growing pains, if you will, because it, it is essentially the first year of Spire Motorsports being their own organization. So, I, but I think with the with the alliance and the people that we have, those are going to be pretty pretty far and few between. I think we're gonna. I think we should execute every every week and. You know, some like I said, I got I got a little work to do on on road courses. I, I need some seat time on that to get a little better and strengthen that weakness. But you know, there's things you can do with iRacing and the Chevy Simulator to, to tighten that up a little bit. Dale Jr. was always real good at Watkins Glen. Yeah, <laughs> saving <laughs> tires. Man, it's just <laughs> they'll teach you how to save tires. Man, it's road courses are tough, man, and now everybody's so good at it. Yeah. It's just. You know, I, I grew up. The, the year we started racing K and N is when they stopped going to Watkins Glen and some other places, and and the year I stopped was when they started going back. So I just never got that experience. And my first road course race was Watkins Glen in a Cup car, right? Like that's I've every, everything. And the you fans made it to the top of the hill before you spun out. Yeah, actually, I made it a, a one one half speed lap, and then I spun, spun out top of the S's. It was great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, any mistake I've made in my racing careers, most of them have been on live television for everybody to watch. So it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. well, that's how it works. Well, you missed days. a bunch this weekend. You yeah. did good. Yeah, it was good. Right. I tell you, yeah, y'all were super resilient, man. I, like, gosh, it, like, I mean, it, it, I thought, it eats at the it eats at the the warrior a little bit, if you will, like riding essentially, right? Because you're not going for stage points. Because the goal is the big picture, right? When pay window open, that pay window doesn't open up with two to go. It doesn't open with ten to go. It doesn't open up at the first stage. It opens up at the checkered flag, yeah. and and it kind of stinks running twentieth. All day long, just like I could go, but I don't. Is it worth it? Yeah, you know. And, and when you got a good car, well, let oh, me yeah, let right. me tell you. I mean, the one the other thing too that you haven't alluded to is the the payout at Daytona. It's five times race. more than every other race. Yeah, a top ten in that is a is a bit is is pay 
for like it a win somewhere else. Yeah, it does. It, it's five times more you than everywhere cannot, else. And, and for the team, for a team like yours, the position you're in, you cannot miss out on those opportunities. Yeah. You know, you know and, and you're not going to – you hope you try no different than anywhere else to try to win the race. But with the ride and miss the wreck strategy, you're, you'll probably never be in a position to win because you won't get that push when you need to because you're never up there track position-wise. Sure. But, you know, I, I've kind of made – made some hay the last couple of years with the 32 doing that plan of finishing between sixth to eighth right and and for us you know that's good enough for the time being for the program that we're trying to build sure i got a question for all you guys i mean i'm sitting here at a table full of drivers the wreck at lap 15 okay yeah. the, the, the early wreck it's easy for us and everybody to say idiots you know why are you gonna go force the issue that early why why are you doing that you know it's we haven't even got going yet or whatever right and that's what people say right but given that restrictor plate racing is what it is which means maybe you don't have to bump but you do have to stay in the draft you do have to run nose to tail you do have to run side by side is is there any way to be i mean that you can run a risk at, at, at having that same thing happen regardless of aggressive driving. And I don't – so I guess I'm wondering, like, you know, again, the Monday morning quarterbacks like to sit there and, and, and critique you guys when y'all mess up or bump. And I'm like – but I'm like, this was just a product of well, where we're at, right? I'm the least qualified at this table besides you, Mike, to, to no, answer I am question. definitely the least qualified but, at this table. <laughs> but I want, I want to take – and I'll let, I'll let Dale talk on it because he's got a lot more trophies than I do. But that's where the fans don't know what they want, right? They want us side-by-side racing, and then they get mad that we, they wreck half the field on lap 15. But then when all the drivers are like, hey, what, guys, there's 185 laps to go. Let's just ride around the top single file, right? And then you get some pit strategy with Toyota's pitting and Ford's pitting, but the fans hate us riding around the top. So, like, where's the happy medium? Because if we run side by side, it's inevitable that somebody's going to bump a little bit too hard on the backstretch, and you're going to collect cars. So Somebody's going to go up the middle, and you're like, oh. And then it's all it takes, right? One guy pushing a little bit too hard, like the 18 was pushing the 20 there, to, to pile up a bunch of cars. And then when you try to get some laps on your belt and ride around the top, they don't like that either. So mm. you got to got to get to, you know, a, a happy medium. But even your drivers get chippy and, and, and say stuff, you know, like, I mean, there was a, just as much kind of bad mouth in, in the in the interviews outside of the care center afterwards. It's just like, you know, I don't know why we were doing this. But I, I guess I'm saying I don't know why you're so hard on yourself sometimes because I don't know how you avoid it, frankly. I, like you're going to go to restrictor plate races and you're you going to hit somebody. That's yeah, right. you, you ain't going to run green the whole time. You are. Yeah, you're going to have a you're in a draft. Mm-hmm. It's, you're in a vacuum, aren't you? Pretty How much. do you avoid it? I'm, I'm interested to hear Dale's take on it because now he sees it from the top. He sees it from, <laughs> you know, the, right. the, the bird's right. eye view on TV. So, like, yeah. I think it has to do with patience a little bit. But what, what do you think? You can change the car. You can change the rear spoiler. You can change parts and pieces. You're never going to be able to change a human error. Yeah. You're never going to be able to affect that side of it. It's always going to be a part of the ingredients, right, of that race. You're never going to be able to move human error and impatience. Uh, Greed. Yeah, greed. Everybody has a different attitude, personality. You're mm-hmm. laid back. He's high strung. This, you know, whatever, right? Everybody's going to drive differently. Yeah. And that's always going to be part of the equation. But you can, what can you control? You can control parts and pieces and cars. And I feel like that <laughs> the big ass spoiler on the back is a big, <laughs> big ass problem for, you know. Yeah, because that you can't gap yourself. Yeah. You got to get pushed if you're the front yeah. car. Yeah. I feel like that until, you know, I really, really loved Daytona when you had to handle. You know, everybody looked good for five laps, and then then you had to handle. And that meant you had to work with your team, and you had to practice a lot. You had to run laps and get on old tires and work on your car. Mm -hmm. 
Then you had comers and goers, guys that couldn't handle, guys get real tight, guys that get real loose, you know, and they'd, they'd have to get the hell out of there because they couldn't drive their cars. Yeah, even when our stuff's handling bad anymore, you can still stay in there yeah, and just – you get sucked right back in you get to the sucked pack because yeah. the, the draft's so big. So, I don't know. I, I got my own opinions about that. But what, one, one of the air th- – you said your dad could see air? 98, 99, I was in the IROC series. So I said, okay, I've never done this before. I'm going to go to Daytona early. They said, hey, you want to come down a couple of days early? We got practice from 8 in the morning till 9, you know. So, okay, so I go down there after I win the championship. I'm all excited to go be an IROC guy. And Marcus and Trickle and Jimmy Sauter were the drivers. And your dad's there. It was first thing in the morning. I was like, looking around, he's the only one there. That There's 12 drivers in this thing, and me and him are the only ones. And what are you doing, Dale? I just – Messing around. So we go out and we jump in all the cars and we're switching cars because the four the cars they had four practice cars. And no matter which one your dad got in, that's like a lead the pack. What the how does he do that? And I and I try to keep up and next day go back, same thing. He's there. It's like, why are you here? I mean, you, you win all the, you win all these races. So I was like, well, why are you here? Yeah, I learned stuff. Mm. I was like, okay. Help me out. He goes, well, he says, you see the vapor trails? He says, I say, yeah, I did notice that. That's pretty cool. I mean, I'm just going there, and those IROC cars had the wings and the freaking mirrors. And, and at the end of them, there were vapor trails. And I just thought it was cool. <laughs> he goes, put your windshield next to the vapor trail at the left front of that car when you see it. Okay, let me try that. So, so I'm going. I said, okay, there's that vapor trail. And I went to it, and that son of a <laughs> took off like 30 mile hour. I was like, what the heck? I said, what is that? He goes, that's just air, man. That's where you, that's where you find air. So, I mean, yeah. he was one of the first ones to learn how to side draft. You know, from the vapor trails, I think, first thing in the morning, the IROC cars. He could so. see the air. Yes, literally. <laughs> literally see in the air. Yeah. And once you know where it's at, and he hunted it to catch it because it's crazy. I mean, you could be going down the back street, and you think your motor blows up. You're like, what the heck's going on here? You're like, I'm, I'm, I'm wide open. All of a sudden, they get going again. So it, it's crazy what the air does. It's wild. I, I, I wish, like, I wish I knew what that felt like. I, I, I realize as you watch these races, I hear you talk about this and you talk about this in the draft and stuff, but none of us know what that feels like when you step out and and it just looks like, like, why would you do that? <laughs> you know, and we sit there and you know quarterback it, but it's like I bet it feels way more. Was, uh, you know, that uh, was a. I was that brings up a great point too, and this is I was thinking about this too, and I want to ask Corey because he's driving these cars today. I've never drove the the cup cars with the big spoilers like we have today. When everybody's r- running at the top. And we did that with other packages as well, but even more so today. Do you think, you know, when you when you take that car out of that line and all of a sudden you just got giant, giant amounts of drag and, and downforce increase because you're yep. carrying that big spoiler around there, don't you think that, that that's a detriment? Is Let me ask you this. Is that rear spoiler and the and the drag that the current package have, is that a detriment to pulling out a line? Because you know the penalty. When as soon as you get that car in clean air, it's gonna drop. It's like pulling a parachute. For it feels like pulling a parachute. Right. And so when that that increases the likelihood, I guess, of everybody getting sort of trapped in that outside line. It's not a, maybe a but maybe if you guys it's, aren't up there by preference, but there's no if they you know they don't want to pull the parachute. Yeah. Right? So I mean, you saw a guy like Denny, right? Had had a, one of the fastest cars, won both stages couldn't make anything happen because the strength is in the numbers. The strength's not necessarily in a faster car that can pull a line or lead a line because you can't – the side draft of the lead car doesn't overcome the energy that three or four more cars in a line can can make. So, you know, it's way above my pay grade to tell tell NASCAR, you know, what to – 
what to change on the speedway cars. Yeah. But it, it was kind of always that way because I mean, we when I would go, you had to have three cars. Yeah, if you didn't have three cars, no, no don't even go. Yeah, you know, you get yourself. You say you did a lot of practicing, so you practice with different guys. Okay, we're this three cars. We're pretty damn quick. Okay, let's find each other. And then if you don't have three cars, uh, I'm good. I'm just going to ride right here. You weren't making a pass. Yeah, but no. now now it's like if there's 12 cars in the top lane, yeah, correct. even six, yeah. yeah, even six can't make the bottom go. It just it just can't. Yeah. Did losing so many cars early <clears throat> change the uh, – Yeah, that too. Is it, Yeah, uh-huh. how so? Well, I th- I th- when you – there's less guys willing to sit in line, yes, right? right. When you take half the field out – say say you crash 20 cars. Well, there's five of those guys that are probably not going to ride in that top line and just try yeah. to keep trying uh-huh. to make right. the bottom work. Well, now they're gone. And now there's th- that would yeah. have been five more that could formulate the bottom lane, yeah. and then which would lure ten more guys to yeah. make the bottom lane go with four to go. Yes. Maybe not – 30 to go, but the bottom lane would have been there with more cars. Sure. Because of the sheer, the numbers. Energy, sheer numbers. In the energy it creates, is yeah. that right? Well, it would it would pull numbers away from the top lane, right? So you, right, you right. just so even it, it up. So a little bit. For the, yeah, and then it, it would get the kind of the middle working so you can get some three wide going, and it would, it would have diced it up. I mm-hmm. think so, too. So it is, that is, that's, when I see the big crash earlier, that's what I think. Damn. It's going to be single file now. For the rest. For the yeah. rest. And, but I would have thought the same thing, too, but not for the same reason. I would have thought because they're going to just obviously play it safe because that was kind of a, you know, quote-unquote boneheaded thing to do so early. But you're saying it sounds like that's, you sort of don't even have a choice at that. that like it changes the, the, whole, still some people the whole way they that, cut through the air. There's still some people on the track that want to be boneheads. They oh, just well, can't. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they just can't because when everybody goes to the top, you're just I like, would go three-wide here if yeah. I had. Yeah, your bonehead opportunities are limited. Right. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You can't be a bonehead. Yeah, yeah. You don't get the that's opportunity it. to be a bonehead as much. If like, if you know, like, I mean, yeah. Bubba was trying to work to get the bottom lane going, and he was five or six cars up, and pulls out, and he might could maintain for a corner, and then as soon as you get flattened back out on the straightaway, it was like, phew. yeah, because the next just fill the hole. <sighs> uh, Race on the on the road course, man. On the road course. Yeah. On the road course. Nobody said nobody ever. No, nope. you, know? <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> Have you been in Daytona long enough? Well, I mean, we were down there. Or does it for, not feel for, that way? What do you mean? It's a whole yeah, lot well, less you got to go back and race there again. Oh, you yeah. Just well, left. Yeah. well, I guess the time split would have been about the same from previous years because yeah. you'd get down there on Saturday, but pr- Saturday prior, yeah. right? And you'd be down there sun- Saturday all the way through Sunday, sometimes Monday. Mm-hmm. So I, re- I guess being down there for 10 days doesn't bother you. Doesn't bother, doesn't yeah. bother me. I came back, though. You can't fathom being somewhere anywhere that long. You get tired of it quick, don't you? Well, I don't know. I don't. I, I. I wouldn't like just for pure entertainment and right. enjoyment of racing. I wouldn't want to race the oval and then the road course the next weekend at the same track. I, I don't disagree with that take. <laughs> like, oh, because of the entertainment value or because of the road me. course? Yeah. yeah well, no, that's my point. I don't see or you. Or even if you ran back to back ovals at Daytona. Yeah. Why? I got you. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But it's easy. <laughs> yeah. It's convenient. That's right. All right. Well, we did. We got a lot of stuff we didn't get to. I wish we could have. I know. There's some things in here where you got dirt in your mouth. I'm looking at these oh, notes. Yeah. I'm like, wow, we oh, didn't, we didn't even get there, there's lawsuits. Oh, yeah. what are we, we got, I got another three hours of questions <laughs> here. <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about your flips. We're going to have to have you come back. Okay. Not a problem. Because I'm, I'm just, I don't know why. I've seen that highlight a lot. And for some reason, I just want to talk mm. to you about it. Do you remember it. that ride uh, I gave you and Hank Parker in the Bush van? Your first time you said it ever around Daytona Speedway. I think so, yeah. Yeah, him and. Ray Hill says, "Hey, these rookies want to ride around in the van. Can you give them a ride?" I said, "Yeah. What do you got?" It's him and him and little Hank. There was rookie meetings. 
right. every Friday morning, and the champion from the year before had to host the meetings, <laughs> yep. which was cool yep. because yeah. it was him. Yeah. So, hey. so okay, so I throw him in the van, and it's raining, and we go out on the racetrack, and I went up to the top of the racetrack. Years ago, I was watching the guys on those pedal bikes and in, in those oval tracks. Well, they go up top and then they come off the banking. And I was like, I, I seen an interview and they said, why do you do that? He said, well, coming off the banking, it builds momentum. I was like, okay, why can't we do that at Daytona? So I, I did that. I always went up to the top and about halfway through, you just kind of pick a straight line and come off the banking. So I did that in the van. And like, what do you do that for? I said, well, I seen a thing on the bikes. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So him and Hank, they were sitting. Hank was right here in the middle going around probably running 90 mile an hour in the rain and a freaking truck crossed the racetrack come out of four thank god it didn't have a trailer because oh, we yeah. would have hit oh that yes oh my goodness <laughs> oh i was like <gasps> and i look over and they're like oh little hank his eyes were so big. yeah wow <laughs> i was like oh that wouldn't have been good yeah, yeah would have wadded up the old bush van <laughs> i thought those uh meetings were pretty helpful the yeah, rookie no. meetings they'll tell you I, what well, not to do no well yeah. like we got to if we didn't have rookie meetings right we're just a couple of knuckleheads with no guidance, right? But the, when we would go, and not just because you're sitting here, but when we would go have a rookie meeting, there's a veteran driver that you had to listen to for a half hour, and you got to know Randy, mm-hmm. right? One of the regulars, one of the respected guys. I don't know. I think it was it was kind of put us on a good path to respecting the people and, and or, you know, like trying to make sure we did the right thing on the racetrack. And yeah. I think they should Do have they them. still do rookie meetings? No, hey, they might they might you know be on when Zoom. They, quit? they might be on Zoom. You know right? when they quit having them? Uh, I won the championship the next year, <laughs> and they were like, they didn't want to wake you up. Ain't no damn no. They were like, ain't no damn way you're doing the rookie. Meetings. You're still a rookie. Like you're, yeah, what are you gonna teach them? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. we not gonna like, do rookie meetings. Now, like, wait, this ain't gonna work. Dale Jr. hadn't showed up, hadn't showed up on time yet to practice. Yeah, he's not gonna. I'm sit already. There, I won the championship. I'm like, hell yeah, man. I'm going to teach these rookies a lesson. <laughs> and they're like, no, we're not having them anymore. <laughs> but, There's nothing well, they can learn from We also you. put the furniture on his house the first oh, race yeah. he won. The Texas, the cup race. On the house. Uh, what do you mean? Well, I don't know if dad got the invitation <laughs> to a party that was at the wrong location or something. because we <laughs> They weren't the- home yet. Oh, they weren't home. No, yet? yeah, yeah, they were flying home. So his first race, the one Texas, he won Texas. You're yeah. talking about the Bush Series, ra- no oh, cup race. Oh, the first cup race in 2000. Yeah, yeah. Right. and uh, so we're at the Mooresville Drag Strip, and guy calls, "Hey, uh, he was dating your sister at the time." He goes, "Hey, Junior's having a party at his house. They're on the way home from Texas." I said, "Ah, oh, cool, good times." So <laughs> after after the Mooresville Drag Strip, we loaded up the van. The guy gave me the code, punched the code in. We go in. I said, "Okay, ain't nobody here." Corey's walking around through the house. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay. So I get back in the van. I I said, I can't leave without doing something. And one of my first wins, people put my furniture up on my house, all the backyard furniture. So we went, Corey, little Jimmy. I said, hey, let's go. So we put little Jimmy up on the roof, and we were handing up all the yeah. lawn chair furnitures and putting them up uh, on his umbrellas, roof. Umbrellas, yeah. all the stuff. <laughs> Anything that was up there, we were throwing it up on his roof. <laughs> when but, did you find out it was him? I don't know. I Just now? Yeah. I mean, no, probably like the next weekend yeah. or something. Wow. You yeah. might not have even noticed it at the first night. <laughs> no, no, not. by the time they got back, they were probably by the time tuned they, up. They were tuned <laughs> up. Right, right. right I guarantee so. it. Hell yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for coming. No it's a great problem. conversation. Thanks for having us. Yeah. A lot of fun. Continue to do what you're, you're great for the sport. Hey, this, is, this is good. It. So are y'all. So are y'all. And we just dig everything you've done for safety. Corey, uh, you're making your mark as a driver. 
And, to. Uh, you know, you're also a great personality with your podcasts and not a lot, you know, that's a, that's a good thing you're doing. It's fun. It is. It is fun. But it helps people under, get to know you, and, uh, and and we appreciate it. I appreciate it as a broadcaster. Appreciate so, that. Yeah. Thanks for coming, man. Enjoy Anytime. it. Let's we'll get you back. Enjoy those kids. They grow, up, they grow up quickly. I'm trying. Yes, sir. She makes it hard some days. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See Thanks, y'all. guys. See y'all. Great conversation with the little joys, Mike. Fun. Lots of fun. All right. It's time for Ask Junior. Hey, everybody. It's Dale Jr. Um, thanks for tuning in. This is the Ask Jr. portion of the, of the podcast, the Dale Jr. Download. We appreciate your support. We had Randy LaJoy and Corey LaJoy come in and sit down and talk to us. And we got a lot of great stuff from both those guys. Corey coming off a great run at Daytona. Pretty good conversation, wouldn't you say, Mike? <laughs> it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. Those two characters together are amazing. Anyhow, yeah, so this is Ask Junior Park. Uh, let's get started. Liam? Our first question coming from David Solomon. Uh, what are your thoughts on McDowell and his team's ability to be competitive at other tracks this year? Will we see the underdog throw a wrench into the chase? Well, he already has. You know, he's um, he's gobbled up a very critical and important uh, position in the playoffs. They'll uh, more than likely easily be able to maintain their position inside the top 30 in points uh so he'll he'll get to enjoy all the things that that come along with uh with making the playoffs uh personally as a driver and uh, the team will be able to enjoy that as well they go to the racetrack they got that wind sticker on that car every single week um those things are hard to come by and they're a very big source of pride um that could that could put a little pep in the step of that team carry them quite a ways into the season i'm not sure how it affects their performance going forward uh, they have uh, improved, you know, and I, I think that we've seen, especially when we went to this package with the uh, the high downforce, low power, that team started qualifying better and racing better. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know what their ceiling is. I guess so. It's hard. To, it's hard to say where 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 what the end game is for for front row. But I like what Denny said on social media. It's not a fluke. Michael's been, you know, Michael was in a lot of people's fantasy five lineup. Uh, we have this league that we play uh, with NBC and a bunch of fans, and there's several thousand people in it. And uh, Rick Allen had the – out of like 5,000, 8,000 people that are in this fantasy league, you know, you can pick any five drivers you want in your lineup. And Rick Allen was 13th overall, mm. and he had McDowell in his lineup. And I bet McDowell's in several people's lineups because he does really well at Daytona and Talladega and putting himself in position to finish well at those races. So uh, pretty impressive. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Uh, seems to be uh, really, really well liked across the garage and really respected. Uh, next question coming from Sean Berg. Do you think NASCAR needs to make a greater effort to start the races earlier in the day at some tracks to reduce chances of weather delays? Yeah. It's a hot topic on social media. It should be. Um, you know, I love the I love the nostalgia as a, you know, thinking back of when I was a, you know, kid watching races. You would go to church and then you would hustle home. Uh, you had to hurry out of church to get home to, to be able to see the start of the race. That for me, they just went hand in hand, going to church, watch the race. That was your Sunday. You know, people have routines and things that they remember from in their life and things that just just go together. And that was, 
you know, that was the way my, ch- that's what I remember from my childhood and being such a huge, you know, racing being such a huge part of my life. Um, I remember that, you know, that happened right after church. And so I miss, uh, I miss that, you know, and the network's, feel like that they can get a better number putting these races at different times, and they intend to try to give the West Coast audience as, as much as an opportunity to see the race as the East Coast audience. And uh, and the numbers that they have and the, and the information that they have and the data that they have tells them that this is the best time to start these races. So I understand what that argument's all about. But um, also like the um, continuity of a start time that's consistent across the board for every single race. You know, like, and I don't know everything about this. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not an expert. But I do know one thing as a fan of of Washington football team since 1982. um, I do know over the last several years, there's a 1 o'clock and there's a Mm 4 o'clock. There's a 1 o'clock and there's a 4 o'clock every Sunday. Every Sunday, one o'clock, four o'clock, and it makes it so easy uh, to tune in. Yeah, and so I don't, I, don't, I wish we had that continuity of, you know, when NASCAR is. Yes, starts at noon. That's every week, or one o'clock, whatever it is, you know. But we have two o'clock starts, three o'clock starts, four o'clock starts, seven p.m. starts, eight p.m. start. We're we're just all over the place, and I. It's hard for me. I couldn't. I don't know when the race starts next weekend. Oh yeah, no. Got a clue? No idea. No clue. Couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you the start time for any race on the schedule. I just got to wait till that day. Look for a tuning graphic, <laughs> and, and or it's either on my itinerary if I'm broadcasting the race. You know, it would be nice if if it was just obvious in our brain that just like you have as an example using the NFL, the one o'clock, four o'clock. I mean, if we just knew that NASCAR races start at one, who doesn't know that, right? Mm. Who? Yeah, that's that's a no-brainer. Yeah. All right. Next question coming from Jordan Buster: What new ideas would you like to see out of the Darlington Throwback Race? Uh, mine would have been, uh, mine would have to be the broadcast network to use a classic graphic display package from the years past. You know, I I, I would I wish we did that every week. Um, <laughs> not just the throwback race. I've tried to uh, figure out a way for us. If you watch, and Fox did this for uh, uh, for the starting lineup for the Clash. I know I'm not quite sure if they use the same style for uh, for the um, for the Daytona 500. I think they might have, but for the Clash, they had the drivers' uh, names across the bottom of the screen for each row, the inside and the outside. Uh, of row one, the inside and outside of row two. And they had a little music in the background. And they just talked about, all right, from this hometown, this driver. And it really, I think it, I try to work the hometowns in there whenever I can when we're doing lineups or cameras, in-car cameras and stuff, because it puts that driver in a in a location, right? And, 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 and maybe you're from that area, you know, and you're going, oh, I didn't know that guy was, mm-hmm. that's my guy, mm-hmm. right? And so... It really humanizes the drivers when you're like, hey, he's from this town, this small town in this state. It get, it makes them real people, right? So um, anyhow, uh, I think for the Clash, Fox did that uh, where they had the each row pop up on the screen and had a little music in the background, and they kind of gave, gave it time, gave the announcers a little time to say 
something about each driver. And, um, you know, we kind of, we, we do maybe the top 10 and then we start talking about something else while you're left to read the lineup on the screen if you want. Um, we might pick out a handful of guys, a half dozen or a dozen guys out of the lineup that we might say, you know, I like this guy or I think this guy's going to have a good day. Um, but I wish we did it in a more traditional sense of row one. This is you got you got this guy and this guy. Row two, you got this guy and this guy with a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of uh, some hype music in the background. Who saw the video over the week uh, of Chris Economaki doing the doing the field of the Bush Clash on pit road, talking to each one as oh. they were climbing? In? Did you see this video? Yeah. Oh, well, you probably saw it when it really happened, oh, yeah. too. But like, but I was like, wow, first of all, how talented is he? Second of all, hilarious. Third, how awesome is that to introduce our lineup that way? Like, yeah. hey, we've got Jeff Bodine here. Ready, Jeff? Yes, sir. All right. And, and he's moving. Yeah. If your answer was longer, <laughs> boy, you get left. Economaki was moving. It was like whatever that, that grid walk thing is. But without the, it's not like that. I was going to say without without <laughs> Do not compare with, them. without the circus act. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I I'm with you, Mike. Um, you know that opportunity to do the lineup. I missed. It's so cool. Yeah. Next question. We could talk about throwback weekend yeah. all day. <laughs> Next question coming from Lee Loggins. I know you're a collector of vintage NASCAR T-shirts. What would be your holy grail of T-shirt? Oh man, yeah, I don't know. You know that is question. tough. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, Dad had these shirts made in the 70s that had his late model uh, or his little sportsman Nova. Um, I remade a batch of those, maybe about 100, 150 of them to give to some friends. Um, but I don't have an original. I think I got the the one that I used to make my f- fake ones uh, was one I borrowed from my Uncle Randy. He had a, he had a child's size still in his possession, an original. And uh, I took it and used the used that imagery to sort of make these shirts, but I've never seen an, it. It's just Dad's white number eight Nova, and it has Dad's name and kind of this old seventy bubbly font. You know, it's really really cool. So anything a Dad's that's going to be pre nineteen eighty four, like anything after eighty four. There's a lot of that out there. It's pretty easy to get a hold of. But anything like Bud Moore, nineteen eighty one, nineteen eighty, seventy nine. There's only a few of those out there, if any. All right, guys. Man, those are great questions. I thought that was way better than last week. I didn't think Ash Jr. was good last week. I don't remember that being. <laughs> I didn't remember that being so uh, so awful. I'm critical, man. Well, it's hard. Yeah, I guess it's so. hard on us. Anyhow, um, hey, glad you're happy this week. Great job, <laughs> great job, Leah. Um, great, great job to everybody. Sitting great in job for questions. everybody. That's that's exactly right. Thanks for the great. Um, thanks for all the great questions. I just got a text from Corey LaJoy. Appreciate being on the show. You guys are going to enjoy the conversation. Um, Corey's just such a great guy, and he's got some more insight. We had Eddie Dickerson, uh, Jeff Dickerson. Jeff Dickerson. I'm sorry on uh, on the podcast last year. Who's one of the owners? Inspire. A lot of people were curious about Spire and their their business model, you know, and where they're headed. And uh, Corey opens up a little bit about that. So just a great show. Again, we really can't thank you guys enough for the support y'all give us. And uh, it really makes it fun to come in here and put this content together for y'all. And so have a great week. Last call. Time for last call. This is the end of the show. 
The Dale Jr. Download is on NBCSN Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, make sure you tune in. We appreciate it. You'll see a edited version of the full podcast on NBCSN, not mm-hmm. the entire podcast. No, no, no. Door Bumper Clear post Daytona 500 episode is out now. TJ talks us through the last lap crash from his perspective, spotting for Joe Logano. Freddie Kraft talks about Bubba Wallace's first race with 2311 racing. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. it's good. I'll can can it. TJ be honest? I don't know. Can he can he own their role in all of that? Can, can he take responsibility for any of the uh, right, incidents? Yeah, right. Right. Did he bring data? Did he deflect? <laughs> or did he, did he deflect? Did he deflect? Was it someone else's fault? I guarantee you he has the ability to deflect. Will he, uh, will he, un- <laughs> will he unnecessarily blame someone? Right, right. You got to tune in to Door Bumper Clear yeah. to find out. That's that's where it's at. A lot of fun. And Reaction Theater, a real Reaction Theater is back on Door Bumper Clear. Uh, that's right. Was that any good? So will anybody Wait. blame TJ? Uh, for, for <laughs> just- I, wanted ex- I wanted Reaction Theater for our show. You give it to Door Bumper Clear. Yeah. Well, was it any good? I thought it was good. Really? I, thought, I thought it could also be better. Is it? Is it reaction theater how we remember it? Are we going to be able to get the regulars, no, you know, the no, call in? No, our reaction theater was better, uh, especially in the early days of it when people were really tuned up. I mean, like tuned uh-huh. up. Um, you think and, you might get there on? midseason? I don't know. We'll see. I think it's uh-huh. all about the producer on how well he does. <laughs> I like it when you get a couple regulars right. that become, you know, yeah. you know, look forward to those right. calling in. Yeah. But that, right. you know, there's a responsibility for reaction theater callers, and that's to bring it. Bring it. Don't don't be boring. You don't make the show if you're boring. Enjoy right. some beverages, then call in. By the way, speaking of that producer, yes. Happy birthday, Jason Schultz. Thank you. Happy birthday. Today's his birthday. That's a great big way year. to wrap it up. Celebrating this man's birthday. That's right. All right, big. So, so you're gonna get drunk later on. Do it after the podcast. Schultz. Oh, you said I could do it before the podcast. No, no. Get it out first. <laughs> All right, everybody. It's been a great show. I got to go get Isla from school. Go get her. We'll see y'all later. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.